This call is being recorded. We're starting. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to have just an off-the-cuff chat between you and me, us. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Telling you 
when we're how and why As your mind digs the scene from the mean machine Or running the same game with another name Factories of insanity playing on your vanity As they distort your sense of self Telling you what you need and how to succeed As they steal all of your wealth Probing your mind, trying to find How to scheme on you best From program schools with devilish rules Putting you through the test Death dealing devices sold at high prices Designed with you in mind to buy As they kill you slow And some of y'all don't even know Y'all paying the machine to die Making eyes, lies, dressed up in disguise, in forms of various kinds, treachery and deceit the people must defeat in the battle for free men's minds. For complete domination is the goal of this nation, of all free-thinking thought, and those who oppose will be killed by their foes, the flunkies whose souls have been bought. Transplants to revive the living dead, replacing the truth with lies instead. Newspapers, radios, TV, spreading lies across the seven seas. Robot men with computers for brains, spaceships, cars, trains, and planes, all calculated to blow your mind, moving faster than your sense of time, living luxuriously soft while the people slave hard, for the devil would have you believe he is God. Chemical drugs that keep you high, while a mean machine creates another lie for power, glory, and worldwide fame, while running the same game with another name. It's the computer's equation for worldwide invasion, it comes in the name of peace and goodwill, all of them are lying as they keep on trying to set the people up for the kill. Population control of the people with soul all over the planet Earth, manipulating their will with a tiny white pill to control their natural birth. Behind the scenes, schemes, furthering the mean machine's dream of conquest and world domination from the far all the depths of the universe to the smallest earthly nation. Radar, sonar, laser beams, jets, tanks, submarines, megathon, H-bomb, napalm, yeah! All this shit will kill you fast. All products of the mean machine. The devil disguised as a human being. And he will even preach that God is dead. And some of y'all will believe what the devil has said. And he will then act as the world's police. And the sun will rise up in the west and set down in the east. And when it came time for the end, and when it came time for the end, and when it came time for the end, the men will look like the women, and the women like the men. And some will dance in a hypnotic trance, like as if they have no care. But these are the signs of the changing times, that the end was drawing near. But it was prophesied many centuries past, that the end will come in a fiery holocaust, and only the righteous people will survive the blast. And the devil's machine will bring about his own end, and peace, love, and joy will reign once again. And man will Understand, man. And man will understand, man. Man will understand, man. Man will understand, man. Man will understand, man. Man will understand. Live in harmony and peace, and the sun will once again rise up in the east. In today's world, having and using a phone is the norm. But there are some real dangers that come into play when we use it too much. Some people spend every spare moment of their day on it and they get so sucked into it that they end up wasting a lot of time. Like that guy who says he's going on a 5 minute break but takes his phone with him. What was supposed to be a 5 minute break is now a 20 minute break. Also, living your life through your phone makes you asocial and hurts your communication skills. 
This is because communicating through your phone is very simple compared to communication in real life. When you're interacting with another person, you need to pay attention to things like eye contact, body language, and facial expressions. It requires a whole different skill set, and sadly you can't practice those skills through your screen. If you're trying to connect with people and only using your phone and social platforms to do so, you're doing it wrong. That's not how you form real connections. Real friendships are formed by interaction with one another in real time. Sure, you can have hundreds or even thousands of friends on Facebook, but ask yourself, are those the friends that would assist you if you needed help with something? Probably not. But why do we keep coming back to it? Why can't we just put our phones down? Well, it's because they're highly addictive and they're designed this way. For example, social media companies are spending millions of dollars every single year just to find more ways to make you spend more time on their platform. That's right, there are people getting paid to keep your attention glued to the screen. Because the more time you spend on their site, the more money they make. So what they do is they abuse a chemical in your brain called dopamine. Dopamine is released every time we expect some kind of reward and it gives us this feeling of satisfaction. That's why when someone sends you a text or when they like your photo, it feels really good. And we simply love getting that social attention. Every time we get it, we are rewarded with that dopamine hit which in turn makes us want to use our phones even more. It's a vicious cycle, and this exact reason is why we keep going back to it. That dopamine hit makes us feel so good that we can't stop. Our brains even begin to rewire themselves, making us crave more of this neurological excitement after each interaction. Sounds a little like taking a drug, right? That's because in a way, it is a drug. Doing things like gambling, alcohol or heroin sent dopamine into overdrive, leading some people to constantly seek that high. In other words, they become addicted. Those notifications you get on your phone also cause dopamine to be released, though not as violently as drugs. So it's no wonder that today's kids can't even bother to look up from their phone. They are addicted to it. But you might be thinking, it's not like my phone is harming me in any way. Maybe all my friends are addicted to it, but I would know if I was addicted. If you think you're a superhuman that's immune to this stuff, you're wrong. A good indicator of addiction is randomly checking your phone without thinking about it to see if you have any new notifications or just to scroll through social platforms. This is where a lot of people fail. It's become a bad mainstream habit to reach for your phone whenever you have 10 seconds of free time. We are constantly distracting ourselves with that new dopamine hit, and we are not allowing ourselves to be bored or be with our thoughts for even a second. And all this mindless phone browsing is harming us in one of the worst ways possible. What we're doing is destroying our ability to focus and pay attention. There's a growing amount of research which tells us that if you spend your time breaking up your attention to take a glance and just quickly look at Instagram, 
that this can permanently reduce your capacity for concentration. There is this concept called attention residue. Let's say you're trying to write a book. Suddenly, a friend jumps out of nowhere and starts bombarding you with questions about where he should go on a vacation. First, your mind will remain focused on writing that book. You won't be able to fully switch to answering any of those questions. Then, when the friend leaves, you won't be able to fully focus on writing again. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you're still thinking about your friend's vacation. In one study, they found that your mind takes about 15 minutes to get your focus back. So with that two-minute interaction with your friend, you just lost 17 minutes of your work time. That's not good. But what does this have to do with our phones? Well, when you're fully focusing on writing that book, if suddenly you get a Facebook notification, your attention will instantly become divided. It's like a friend suddenly jumped through your window and yelled, Hey, I liked your photo. Boom, attention residue. Since in today's world, we carry our phones with us everywhere, how can we really expect to concentrate on anything? Every time you're doing something and your phone buzzes, even if you don't check it, you split up your attention. Somewhere in the back of your mind, there will be a voice saying, What if it's really important? What if something has happened? In the end, you will most likely end up checking it anyway, because you also want that dopamine hit. And if you think attention residue doesn't apply to you, you are wrong. Our brains are simply not made to multitask, and we cannot focus on multiple things at once. This is why driving while on your phone is so dangerous. Your attention will be split between two tasks and you won't be able to react fast enough if something out of the ordinary happened, like a car suddenly driving up in front of you. If you want to keep your focus and actually produce anything of value, you need to become more mindful about how you use both your phone and social networks. If you made it this far into the video, then you already have a better attention span and focus than most people these days. So I'll give you two practical tips to keep your focus and use your phone more mindfully. And no, I'm not going to tell you to throw your phone away and become a hermit. The first thing to consider is deleting all social media apps from your phone. A lot of our phone usage is unconscious behavior. That's because we are only one click away from mindlessly scrolling through our social platforms. You shift from Facebook to Instagram to checking the text without even thinking about it twice. You could say that Facebook and other similar apps are like a fridge. You check it every 15 minutes, mainly out of habit, even though you know there's nothing there. By removing the apps, you basically remove the fridge, so there is no way you'll check it spontaneously. You can still go to Instagram.com or Facebook.com if you really needed to. However, there is this additional barrier that you have to overcome. And since you're not going to be just one click away, it's going to be a conscious decision and not an impulsive choice. The second step is to disable all notifications. This applies to everything on your phone. In fact, I encourage you to put your phone on silent. You don't have to be interrupted by every like that your latest Instagram picture receives. 
It only makes you more likely to whip out your phone and get in a vicious cycle of texting, email checking, and who knows what. You can disable app notifications in your main settings menu or customize them so you only get notified about the important stuff. You could also turn your phone off when you're not using it. This way you won't let messages or any other app notifications split up your attention. Thanks to these two habit changes I made, I can actually say I'm happier and more focused. I encourage you to do the same and try to limit your phone usage for at least one week. See how it makes you feel. You might get bored, but soon you'll realize how much of your time is actually spent mindlessly using your phone. And just to clarify, I don't think using your phone is a bad thing. You just need to know how to use it properly. It's a tool, and like all other tools, it depends on how you use it. That's why I believe it's important to educate the world about its possible dangers. Thanks for watching. And if you enjoyed the video, please leave a like. It helps my channel grow and I can make more content for you guys. Also, you should show this video to someone who spends way too much time on their phone. This way we can all become better than yesterday. Imagine a scenario where all of your friends are jumping off a cliff. If everyone jumps, do you jump as well? We know that the correct answer is supposed to be, no, never. I am an independent thinker and other people have no influence over me. But the truthful answer is, yeah, maybe you do jump. Everyone thinks they're the exception here, but we cannot suppress our human desire to fit in. Humans are social creatures and our brain seems to be built to follow what other people are doing. When everyone else is participating in something, we tend to think it's the smart thing to do. Back in the day when we were hunter-gatherers, if we saw our entire tribe heading east, we would have to follow if we wanted to survive. We didn't necessarily have to know why we were going in that direction, we just trusted the judgment of others. So yeah, if everyone was jumping off a cliff, there's a high chance you would follow. You wouldn't want to be the only one that didn't jump. I remember back when I was still a kid in school. There was a day when some of the students wanted to skip the last hour of class. Personally, I didn't really want to do it because I liked the subject, but everyone else quickly jumped on the bandwagon. So, what did I do? I skipped the class as well. Not because I wanted to, but because all of my friends and everyone in the class were doing it. However, I wasn't the only one that wanted to stay. In fact, I later found out that at least half of other students wanted to go to class. But because each one of those students thought that everyone else was skipping the class, they didn't want to be the only ones to stay. Nobody wants to be cut out from their group of friends, so they go along with it. It's that human desire to fit in that drives this behavior. The media likes to scare us with shocking statistics about how we are all becoming lazy and unhealthy. And it's true, but those statistics are a double-edged sword. Let's go over them and I'll explain why. 80% of Americans don't get enough exercise. 
40% of American adults eat junk food on a daily basis. And the average American adult consumes almost 100 pounds of sugar per year. These statistics are meant to fill us with horror. But let's be honest. If we find ourselves in the majority, all our brain hears is this. What a relief. I'm just like everyone else. I guess I don't have to change my behavior. The more we hear those kind of statistics, the more firmly we start to believe that this is what other people do, so it's totally okay if we do it as well. If everyone else is getting fat, I guess it's totally okay for us to be fat as well. When you're like 80% of other Americans, why would you need to change? You're normal. What other people do and what is considered to be normal behavior influences us to a remarkable degree even if we don't notice it. To study how other people can influence us, two scientists got access to data that tracked more than 12,000 residents of Framingham for 32 years. And the results were staggering. They found evidence that weight gain and obesity could spread from person to person. Just like people can catch a flu from others, obesity was infectious and it was spreading within families and from friend to friend. A woman whose sister became obese had a 67% increased risk of becoming obese herself. And the man whose brother became obese had a 44% increased risk. And when someone's close friend became obese, their risk increased by 57%. Those numbers are insane. But obesity wasn't the only thing going around the Framingham community. When one person started to drink more alcohol, the drinking spread through the social network as well. The same with smoking. If someone started smoking cigarettes, people around them were more likely to pick up the same smoking habit. As disturbing as all of this may be, some positive evidence was also found. And that is that good behavior could also spread. When one person gave up cigarettes, it increased the odds that their friends and family would quit smoking too. When someone stopped drinking alcohol, the hangovers of their friends were far less common. And when one person lost weight, weight loss spread through their social network as well. So the connection is clear. Both good and bad behavior can spread from person to person, and nobody is completely immune. However, your relationship to that person matters. Behaviors don't spread over fences and backyards. They spread through a network of people who are close to each other. And I don't mean geographically close. If you see a stranger smoking next to you, your odds of suddenly becoming a smoker yourself don't increase. But if a good friend of yours starts smoking, the chances that you'll pick up smoking as well increase substantially. Basically, what determines if you'll catch a certain behavior is how much you like that person. This is where we come to the main message of this video, and that is to choose your friends wisely. As we have seen, people who surround you have a bigger impact on your behavior than you might have thought at first. After all, they shape your opinion about what you perceive to be normal. If all of your friends are exercising at the gym five times a week, you consider that normal behavior, and that behavior will probably rub onto you. You'll go to the gym as well, as that is what everyone else around you does. But if all of your friends are doing drugs five times a week, then you'll perceive that to be normal. 
and there's a very high chance you'll start doing drugs as well. If you surround yourself with people who are striving for success, striving to reach their goals, some of that motivation and ambition will eventually rub onto you. Likewise, if you surround yourself with people that have bad habits, they will eventually drag you down and you'll pick up those same behaviors. This is why it's super important to be mindful about the people you surround yourself with. However, that doesn't mean you should cut ties with everyone who doesn't fit your standards. Just limit your exposure to them. Much love and appreciation, family. So for all of the brand new men's and women's shirts that you see and and the limited edition sneakers that you see here, please visit the comment and or the description below the video. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? This is Sessi Hito here to bring in the news. So here we go. Male transgender youth arrested for raping a four-year-old girl. Lawrence, Massachusetts, a transgender youth who seven months ago urged locals to vote yes on a veto referendum, enabling those who identify as transgender to access locker rooms and similar facilities designated for the opposite sex, has now been slapped with sexual exploitation of children and distribution of child pornography charges. Jacob Naves, a 19-year-old man who identifies as a woman named Dakota, is accused of raping a four-year-old girl and sharing the images with an undercover agent. The 19-year-old Jacob Naves, a man who identifies as a woman, did knowingly employ, use, persuade, induce, entice, and coerce a four-year-old girl to engage in any sexual explicit conduct with him for the purposes of producing any visual depiction of such conduct. Court records show. Mr. Neves began exchanging messages with another person on a kick group created for those interested in trading images of pedophilia. As the chat progressed, Mr. Neves allegedly shared with the conversation partner images of small children performing indecent acts on his penis. Unbeknownst to Mr. Neves, the conversation partner was an undercover federal agent. His transfer of the photos portraying him engaging in illegal acts with the minors sparked a federal investigation, according to the criminal complaint. On August 14th, federal agents obtained a warrant to search the home of Mr. Neves, which is located on the 200 block of Lawrence Street. The search produced a phone which agents say contains photos and videos of Mr. Neves sexually violating a minor girl in a bedroom of his home. Athena Delores Sterlings, spokeswoman for U.S. Attorney Andrew Lellings, says Mr. Neve admitted to agents during the search that he had made and distributed the obscene materials. If convicted on both counts, Mr. Neves faced anywhere from 20 to 50 years behind bars, up to a lifetime of supervised release and a $250,000 fine. Mr. Neves is being held in federal custody. And this is the memorandum that was listed above. Gender Identity Anti-Discrimination Veto Referendum 2018 was approved in November of 2018 with 1,806,742 or 67.82% of voters marking yes on the ballot to uphold the state's gender identity policy. The Massachusetts policy prohibits discrimination on the basis of gender identity in places of public accommodations, including such sex-specific areas as restrooms and locker rooms. The penalty for each violation ranges from up to $100 and or up to 30 days in prison to $2,500 or up to a year in prison. In addition, a civil penalty of between $10,000 
and 50,000 may be imposed on each violation. All right, so I saw this on uh, online by way of uh, Brother Tariq Nasheed, and I'm like, this seems a little bit odd. Um, like, is this what's going on now? So I had to look at the story and, you know, when you happen to type in the name or look it up, um, you will see that there are not any news organizations like any of the popular ones that you know about, like, let's say, MSNBC, Fox News, uh, your local news or whatnot, whatever, that are talking about this. And I find it fairly odd, but not really so odd if you really understand the game and how things are being played. And, you know, how also a lot of news organizations technically don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole uh, because it will mess up their money. Um, But like I said before, there's a multitude of things that need to get called out. As you see all day, every day, I bring you guys videos of police officers, doctors, lawyers, judges, whoever um, that decided they want to go after children i don't i don't play those games i don't care who you are i don't care what flag you fly under the the time and day that you decide that you want to come after kids that's when you obviously are going to show up to the public and you're going to have a video made about you so um as stated here this is a member of the lgbt and i'm going to state that this person is a member of the lgbt due to the fact that they have a picture uh which is an image right that is showing them covering themselves in the LGBT flag and stating that they deserve equal rights, just like everybody else, meaning that they are a part of the LGBT and that they don't have equality and that they are seeking equality and shelter, the same as which that everybody else has. So like I said before, if anybody from the LGBT wants to decide to uh, get mad at this video make sure you get mad at the person who the video is about don't get mad at the messenger because this is the person who is underneath your flag that decided that also mind you um was asking and telling people to vote on this referendum so that people uh uh, uh, who are uh, transgender or who identifies whatever can go into locker rooms and bathrooms without any type of burden and this is the same person who got who helped to get that passed, ended up um, playing around with a five-year-old. Ain't that about something? But like I said before, there's a lot of things that, you know, that's going on that people don't want to uh, talk about or bring up. Because at, at any point in time you decide to bring stuff like this up or other issues, that's when people want to start labeling you as certain things. They want to, you know, in a sense, try to silence you or uh, blackball you because you're trying to bring attention to something that needs to be brought attention to. Like I said before, this person right here is a pedophile. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I don't care how the person looks. I don't care what flag they fly under. This person right here, this male, is a pedophile because you clearly heard that regardless of however, what orientation this person says that they are or how they dress, he was still going after the female gender. And who was a part of that female gender just so happens to be a child. So like I said before, 
And I'm going to reiterate one more time. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at the person this video is about. Take that up with him. So uh, let me know what you guys think about this video in the comment description below and everything that you heard about the story and how you feel that this is um, being treated. And how do you feel about also the lack of coverage that this story is also getting? So as always, peace, love. Transgender MMA fighter has said she wants a license to fight in California. A biological male has just become the first transgender person to win a world title in cycling. First transgender weightlifter winning her maiden international event as a woman. A biological male winning a gold medal in a women's event now seems a matter of when, not if. Since sports events began, men and women have been segregated by gender to make the competitive events fairer due to differences in muscle mass, innate strength, or testosterone levels. But nowadays, these physical differences no longer seem to be a determining factor. There are all kinds of reasons that people have advantages. Somebody's parents can give them year-round training. Somebody else is really, really tall and someone's really, really short. Sport has never been fair. You bought into that myth, so have a lot of other people. But let's face it, if I wanted to be a jockey, I couldn't be. Nature endows her gifts unevenly in society. It's true that some physical characteristics give athletes an unusual advantage in sports like Michael Phelps's long arms, or Usain Bolt's height. But the genetic difference of being born as a male or female and competing with the opposite gender proved to be more of a determining factor than any bodily developments in sports. If you go through puberty, you have all the benefits of having a male body. And even if you transition and reduce your testosterone, you're still going to have those benefits. You're going to have the bone structure, the slightly bigger heart, more red blood cells. So therefore, a female athlete competing with a transgender female is always going to be at a disadvantage. Testosterone levels are important because the amount of the hormone defines the eligibility of athletes to compete whenever sporting events are limited to a single sex, following IAAF rulings. The idea that we need to protect women's or female sport from other women and females is itself inherently discriminatory. No testosterone policy will ever work. Male to female athletes no longer need to have reassignment surgery, but they do need to demonstrate that their testosterone levels have been below 10 nanomole per liter for at least one year, according to the 2016 International Olympic Committee guidelines. It's not saying you're a man or a woman. Is saying you can compete. It's a, a, a matter of eligibility to participate in certain competitions. In the case of female to male athletes, they can compete without restrictions. The 10 nanomoles per liter, as I understand it, something like 90% of female athletes, their testosterone levels are around 3 nanomoles per liter. So in other, in other words, this upper limit is three times what would be typical in a female athlete.
So it seems like a kind of arbitrary uh, setting unrelated to the realities of the situation. Well, I actually agree with you there. But what happens with student athletes who decide to change their gender? Well, the rules are not clear at all. Most countries don't have clear regulations. And the biggest student sports organization in the US, the NCAA, does not require gender confirmation or a legal recognition of a player's transition sex in order for transgender players to participate on a team that matches their identity, at least one year of hormone treatment prior to competing on a female team. In the middle of all this legal mess, Zuby, a UK-based rapper, basically identified as a female and broke British women's weightlifting records. Saying, look, I'm not a professional powerlifter, but even I myself, I can walk, I can stroll into the gym on any given day and I can break the British women's bench press record. I can break the British women's deadlift record. When I'm on form, I could potentially break the British female squat record. And I'm not, a, I don't even compete. So if you're a woman and you're a natural woman and you don't take any extra hormones or male hormones, you're not taking steroids or any sort of performance enhancing drugs, you're doing your very best to compete and you're at the top of the heap. But then someone comes along that was a man for 30 years and decides they're going to be a woman. And this has happened and literally transitioned a few months ago and competes as a woman and destroys records and dominates you in that sport. That's bullshit. So ladies and gentlemen, by all accounts, our economy is humming along. Uh, the indicators say that the unemployment rate is at a 50-year low. Uh, consumer confidence is up, down from what it was, but still up. Uh, there are threats of recession, but we still, uh, as a nation, are doing much better than everybody else. Um, there are things on the horizon that haven't hit us yet, but by all accounts, our economy is swimming along. Uh, people are working. This should, there, there, there's times of progress. We are, we are profitable. We are in the black. We are doing great. Then why is it there is a pervasive sense of dread? Why is it that people are so angry and, and apathetic? Why is it that people seem so disoriented? Why is there such a spirit of hate right now? Why are people so disconnected? Why, if we are doing so well, like generally you see times like this, when there's economic upheaval, when the, the, the markets crash, when the economy's gone bad, when there are massive layoffs, we have none of those. We have all of the, the, the profit and all of the hate. Like everybody you see is mad about something. They are mad about what's going on. There's a spirit of despair that is palpable in this country. If everything is going as great as people purport, why is there such a spirit of despair in America right now? It is because, I believe it's because, we know that something ain't right. We know that what we're doing is not right. The things we're allowing is not right. We can see it. We all have kids. Even if we supplant them, we know that what's going on isn't right. And you cannot feel good about this. It's like, it, it is like using stolen money. It's like a drug dealer money. It's like dirty money. You understand what it is. I mean, you'll spend it. You'll use it, but you feel vacant. You feel wrong. Like you, it's like you take it out of a little cubby hole in the wall and don't let nobody see you. You can't. There, 
do you see this national pride that everybody's supposed to have right now? Right now, we're supposed to be a nation that is powerful and strong and in our full glory. We should be like a horse uh, standing high with his horse held, held high. We're not. We know that what's going on isn't right. We know it's wrong to have those children in cages. We know it's wrong to have a leader that says the things he does. We know it's wrong to play with words about war with, with, with Iran that are so cavalier. We know it. But we'll look the other way as long as we're making money. We feel bad because we know what we're doing and allowing in our name and in the name of money is wrong. But we allow it anyway. You don't feel good. Who, who's the last person you saw just in the spirit, like, feel good about themselves? Feel good about what's going on. When's the last time you saw a politician or a leader speak with pride about anything? Not a holiday, not a parade, uh, not a not a day where we memorialize something. When is the last time you felt a national sense of pride? Honestly, when's the last time? When's the last time you went, wow, this, this looks good on us. We should be doing this. Look at how we're showing the world. We shrink back when we should step, uh, step up. We, we, we're we fast to run to anger and do crazy things. When is the last time you felt all, when's the last time you heard a song come on the radio for, uh, or, or on TV for a commercial for a great car or something? Proud to be in And When's the last time you felt good about what's going on around you? When's the last time you looked yourself in the mirror and said, I'm proud of the part I'm playing in this? Because whether you like this or not, we're all part of this cycle. All of this is going on. We are allowing all of it. If you do not feel good about yourself, you know that there is something wrong and you know exactly what it is and you know what to do about it. You know what's supposed to happen. You know what's right. We all know the difference between right and wrong. The question is, what will we do about it? What will we keep allowing in the name of money? What will we stand for? What will we keep? Like all of these things, it is It is like if your father left you the will to a great property and you run it over. You know what we're turning into? We're Fredo. We're Fredo. We are. <laughs> we're Fredo watching everything get torn apart. If we were doing good, we would feel good. If we were doing what was right, we wouldn't feel so wrong. And if we were actually proud of ourselves, we would not have to avert our eyes. All right, that's a little note from the GED section. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wake Up Africa. My name is Dr. Mumbi Saraki. How are you doing? How's everything going? Thanks to every single person that prays for us and sends us your best wishes and sends us your emails and, and words of encouragement, uh, words of affirmation and just, you know, and, and, and just the good vibes that you send me. I really, really appreciate each and every one of you. Now, there's something that I wanted to share. I think it's something that a lot of us know, but I think we, we, we know it, but we may not have uh, fully heard it the way I'm going to put it. And it's very, very important that we stop deceiving ourselves because the grand deception is the reason why Africa is where it is today. You know, this grand deception about who we are, where we came from, our history, our God, our masters, you know, everything about even our origins, our, our 
everything I've been lied to, everything, there's just been this grand, grand, grand deception where literally the world has been turned upside down and inside out. And one of the things that we seem to lie to ourselves about, uh, especially on the African continent, and I think this is why people just continue with business as usual, is we seem to lie the, to ourselves that we are free, that we are you know, 54 independent nations making decisions for themselves, making the best decisions for their citizens, you know, in control of their destiny. And I keep seeing this narrative in the comments, Africa, wake up. Why won't Africa just wake up? African leaders do this. Africa just shut out the West. Yes, in a world that is not doctored, whether all the in, in a world where all everything is equal, it would be very easy for us to do that. It would be very, Africa would have had its industrialization decades ago, but there's been this constant manipulation that we have not seen, and the manipulation is there because we believe we are free. We're not free. Far from it. Because brothers and sisters, Africa is a resource colony, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Right now they're taking the, you know, right now they're literally pillaging our natural resources based on an economic system they created that doesn't benefit us, where they take our diamonds, they take our gold, and they literally give us back pieces of paper pieces of paper with their people on them, with their doppies on them. <laughs> if you're Jamaican, you'll get that. But this, I mean, it, it, it's wizardry. This is, their system is genius. And so we're constantly doing this. And with this idea, we have our president now, we have our ministers, and we just can't develop because Africa can't manage its resources. We're constantly being, you know, gaslit. We're constantly being told how inadequate we are. But we're never really seeing the truth of the picture, which lies to ourselves. Africa, we're not free. Colonialism never, ever ended. It didn't end. It just, you know, our ancestors told us they went through the front door and came through the side door. When immediately from the colonial era to the New World Order agenda, the New World Order was implemented many years ago. Many people think that now we're entering the New World Order. No, it's been there for years and years and decades and decades. And Africa, we are a resource colony. Like if you look at it, every African nation, has a foreign occupation. I think the last time they said that the United States, through their AFRICOM program, has a military presence in 36-plus African nations where they don't have a military presence. There are French troops or there are British troops. But basically, the Western hegemony has a military presence in every African nation. For decades, because of these diplomatic laws and diplomatic agreements that, are, that exist, where you can basically bring things into my nation under the diplomatic law and you won't be searched, there are so many stockpiles. I Actually, there's a military intelligence officer, I won't mention his name, that got in touch with me from a southern African nation that told me there are stockpiles and stockpiles of weapons that Western nations have buried across Africa because they realize now 
we have some not so enlightened leaders that will give them everything literally for free. They have leaders that are afraid to do anything, but they also realize that one day there will be a revolution. It's, it's inevitable. It's unstoppable. So they're trying to bring as many machines, as many weapons, as many guns and bombs into our nations. I mean, the U.S. just built the biggest, I think it's their biggest drone center, drone base in the world in Niger. You think that's just because they're experimenting and they want to keep off China? You don't think that that drone base will deploy those drones? across the continent, they've been focusing on having the necessary technology to, you know, to send in robots so that they don't have to, because their population is already dwindled enough, to send their armies to remotely finish nations where they don't have to spread, you know, shed any blood. They've been working on technologies that saw them almost die out before, malaria vaccines and all these things, so that they can now live and survive and thrive in Africa. Then in some twisted, you know, twisted, demonic twist of fate, if I can even say that, I'm repeating myself. They've got our youth leaving the continent to go for, you know, greener pastures in their nation. They're dying by the thousands. And their, their, their organs are funding a multi-trillion dollar international organ harvesting, you know, um, black market industry. Where do you think all the lungs and kidneys come from to, to, you know, to be given to all these different Western and European, you know, patients? Things are just falling from the sky. But really what Africa needs to be aware of, because, you know, we must move with... We, the, the truth is bitter, but it's wise. But we must, must move so wisely, recognizing that freedom is a myth. Our freedom is an illusion. It's never existed. We are a resource colony. If we arose today as Kenya and said we want Kenya back, we're taking back our oil, we're taking back our rubies, we're taking back everything. And then we want our colonial lands back. What do you think the British army in Lycipia, which is about 3,500 men strong, and they can triple or quadruple it within 24 hours. What do you think would happen to that? Do you think the British troops would just be like, all right, you know, we're out? What do you think someone who has colonized us before will do when we demand our freedom for real, for real? What do you think they'll do? You think they'll just be like, okay, yeah, it's cool. You think so? Think we'll be able to get out of these 20, 30, 40-year-old policy deals that bind us to a neo-colonial agenda? You think so? While we're divided? Africa is a resource colony. Every nation has a foreign military presence, and now China's coming in. China has been sending their army quietly into different African states, saying they're protecting their citizens and protecting their assets. Remember earlier in the year when we were seeing, you know, different police stations being set up by China? They've now, you see what China has done? They're still moving. They're still making predatory moves. But what they've done is they've compromised media by buying out a lot of the local media houses and the journalists. 
And then they're now just doing things quietly. So a lot of things aren't reported. If it's not reported, the majority of the people won't even pick up on it. And it's people will just assume it's business as usual. But as much as we are, we are, because you see, in a twinkle of an eye, we will be free. But um, my, I have no fear, but I, let me just say my greatest fear is that many of us won't make it because of our mentality and because of our heart consciousness. Our heart consciousness is not in the right place. We love the other and hate ourselves. We aspire to be the other and teach our children to be alien to their own culture, to their own spirituality, to their own nature. And we think we can beat highly organized, highly effective and extremely dangerous enemies that are already here occupying our land. We really think we can just do that just like that without multiple casualties. There are solutions. There is a very clear roadmap of how Africa will be free. But are you ready? Are you ready to change what's in here and to change what's up here? I had a terrible time in Disney World. Disney World is like a whole nother country anyway. They got their own currency. That shit is ridiculous. As soon as I check in the hotels, welcome to Disney World, Mr. Chappelle. Can we interest you in some Disney dollars? Nah, man, I'm cool. Can't buy weed and pussy with Disney dollars. Like, I'm on vacation. I like them greenbacks. Like them Green Bay, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the kind of money people spend. People, it's very particular about that. I saw that. That was one of the main stories from the war. It was the first big thing we did was they said, "Now that Iraq has been liberated, we have managed to take Saddam Hussein's face off the money." <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, when that press conference came out, I was like choked up. I was, I was actually proud to be an American because that is a very subtle psychological nuance of oppression to have a dictator on your money. And it's thoughtful to be able to take that motherfucker off for the goodwill of another person, right? But then I thought, well, if you could do that for Iraq, what about our money, man? Our money looked like baseball cards with slave owners on. George Washington was the worst of the worst. Yes, I said it. He mythologized this motherfucker like he was the greatest dude, man. If I went back in time with a white person and we saw George Washington walking in front of our time machine, my white friend would probably be like, oh, my God, Dave, look, there's George Washington. He's the father of this great nation. I'm going to go shake his hand. I'd be on the other side like, run, nigga, George Washington. <laughs> and we'd both be right. We like him because he wrote the Declaration of Independence and all that shit. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. Go get me a sandwich, nigger. I'll kill you. <laughs> Liberty, justice for all. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Wait a minute. Did he not own slaves? Didn't he own slaves? That's, my, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I almost protested the war in the beginning. Almost. Until I saw what happened to them Dixie chicks. I said, fuck that. <laughs> 
If they'll do that to three white women, they will tear my black ass to pieces. I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah, man, they would. But I'm like, for real, why Why you care so much what the Dixie chicks say? It's not like they political scientists and nothing. They just bitches that can sing good. You know what I mean? Stop worshiping celebrities so much. Just don't listen, pay attention. I remember right around September 11th, uh, Ja Rule was on MTV. That's what they said. They said, we got Ja Rule on the phone. Let's see what Ja's thoughts are on this tragedy. Who gives a fuck what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this, nigga? This is ridiculous. I don't want to dance. I'm scared to death. I want some answers that Ja Rule might not have right now. I think when bad shit happens to me, I'll be in the crib like, oh my God, this is terrible. Because somebody please find Ja Rule, get hold of this motherfucker so I can make sense of all this. Where is Ja? Add me Ja Rule. I don't even know why people listen to me. I'll say anything, nigga. I've done commercials for Coke and Pepsi. I don't give a fuck what comes out of my mouth. I just say what it takes. Whatever it takes, that's what I'm saying. If you want to know the truth, can't even taste the difference. Surprise! All I know is Pepsi paid me most recently, so taste better. That's pretty much how the game goes. I'm just being real, man. It's too much goo-gogging over celebrities. People don't know what's fake and what's real anymore. That's why Bill Cosby got in trouble. What happened to Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby said some real shit and the whole world freaked out on him. For what? For having an opinion? Just because he was selling pudding pots for the last 40 years, people forget that he's the nigga from Philly and the projects. And he might say some real shit from time to time. Not that big of a deal. I spoke at my old high school and I told them kids straight up if you guys are serious about making it out of this ghetto, you gotta focus, you gotta stop blaming white people for your problems, and you've you've gotta learn. All right. Sorry for the late uh start this evening. Uh welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Real Life the Radio Show. This is part three. This is part three of, uh, I'm sorry, uh, be proactive and not reactive. Uh, today is October the 1st, 2019, and we have quite a bit to discuss. Uh, once again, apologize for that uh, late start. I, I'm doing renovations at my home and had to re, had to find some things. My apologies. Uh, I am your host, Jenna Kepra, alongside my co-host, Brother Rise. Brother Rise, are you there? Peace. Yes, I am. What's good? Still learning, man. How about yourself? Still learning as well. All right. So it, that was, because of the late start, we missed a couple of uh, videos that we wanted to uh, get in. And one of them was the uh, killer robots to where they are sending drones to kill people and sometimes they're not being guided uh ai is carrying these drones to a point to where they are making their own decisions and a couple of shows back uh or maybe i didn't but i need to put that down we need to play that and that's where two ai robots were having an argument and when you hear it some people may tend to laugh because uh 
one robot is talking about how much she loves this is supposed to be the female version of the robot how much she loves humans and want to help so much but the male version of the robot wants to take over the world because humans as they see it are destroying the world there's a lot to cover but i will start with you brother Roz. where should we start this evening um i would start with the the transgender uh situation the reason why i want to get into that is just because um and the guy's name is actually jacob nieves uh i know that the, that the brother was trying to say it the right say it the best way he could but it's actually nieves i knew a couple of them growing up in brooklyn um this guy is a transgender adult male who raped a four-year-old girl and then sent images of the of himself raping this girl to an undercover federal agent. Now, just last week, I talked about the intimate connection between the um, deviant uh, sexual categories and pedophilia and pederasty. And this week, this comes out. And something that I've been saying before, the next thing that you're going to have is a transgender male that's going to rape a female while using a female bathroom. That's going to be the next thing that happens. And what you're finding is, like, in this situation, like the, the brother said in the video, he's supposed to be transgender, but yet he's raping someone of the opposite sex that is a child. <laughs> and then we also talked about the fact that the, the pedophiles are trying to get themselves added to the list of letters and to be legally recognized as a sexual orientation. We talked last week about San Francisco um, in, in, in uh, one of the universities they're teaching that this is uh, a sexual orientation to, to want to rape children. So again, this is all, yes, this is the beginning stages of the entire normalization of this type of stuff. And then uh, alongside all of this, you have all this information about these politicians, Jeff Epstein and all of that coming out all at the same time. So you have the legal system going, eventually going to end up probably going after people who are connected to Jeffrey Epstein. But on the flip side, you have the complete opposite going on as far as uh, certain citizens who want to normalize this behavior and, and give it legal protections, just like they're giving legal protections now um, more than any other group in the country to deviant sexual categories. And all deviant means is abnormal, meaning it's not the norm. So let's just put that out there because people like to come with the politically correct, you know, I'm offended. You can't be offended. If you're deviating from the norm, then you're deviant. That's that. There is a negative connotation to being called deviant, but that is not the context in which I'm using the term. I'm saying it's a deviance from the norm, and this in, in itself, I would definitely apply the negative connotation of deviant to this particular subject. So um, also, I wanted to touch on something, too. There was a an article, excuse me, from uh, from uh, Humans Are Free, and this also is directly connected to the transgender situation, and this is going to show you just how deadly this is, and it's beyond the fact that this is a mental illness and things like that, but there's just uh, literally wholesale killing of children, and we're about to get into that. Give me one second. I'm just trying to pull up this article. I got to pull it up on my phone.
uh, what's the article, Rise? And I can pull it up for you. All right, that's the one um, where they had the six over six thousand deaths related to a, a hormone suppression drug that they were giving transgender children, and over sixty-four, I think sixty-three hundred of them died. And then there was like I think forty-something thousand people that were actually um, in some way uh, damaged or maimed by this particular drug. But the most telling information is that over 6,000, I think 300 or 6,400 children who were given this drug to suppress the hormones have been killed by this drug. Do you remember that one? I just sent it to you not too long ago. I'm going to pull it up right now. Okay, I'm just trying to find. While I'm doing that, go ahead and uh, and just continue on. Okay. So um, ultimately what you're seeing is that um, this process of normalization, you got the Mattel toys. They're creating uh, gender-neutral toys. Um, in some schools, they're teaching this information to young children. So before your child even reaches puberty, they're being taught about these things that they really shouldn't know anything about or even care about at that particular age. There's no child is thinking about sexual activity in elementary school unless that is being introduced to them by some other person or some other adult. So um, just the whole idea that all of this is happening is just the greatest sign that uh, this normalization process is accelerating quite rapidly. And if you have your children in a public school setting, then you better be prepared one day for that child to potentially come home and ask you some questions that you're not prepared to answer because they shouldn't even be asking you those questions. So what it is is that children are like um, like unused, like a, like a completely brand-new marble notebook. There's nothing written on the essence of who they are. And when you start inputting things that are deviant, we just talked about this last week too, the fact that the scientists, first of all, discovered that there's no such thing as a gay gene. But the second part was that they discussed was that only 25% of sexual orientation um, comes from uh, a myriad of different genes working together. But 75% of sexual orientation actually comes from the environment. So again, you have... They're in, they're in a toxic environment, the U.S. public school system, depending on where you live in the country, and they're, they're having their, 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 their essence poured, they're pouring trash into their essence to create a reality that, even should, that shouldn't even exist for these children. And as a result, here we go. You know, we're dealing now with all of these different things, this, this guy being caught doing what he was doing, and... Um, he might get in trouble now, but like I said, you have two things happening simultaneously. You have the government dealing with um, certain ped- pedophile-type behaviors with the children who are, who are crossing the border to try and get in the country. You have uh, the Epstein situation, which goes across uh, international boundaries in regards to royalty in Britain, all the way to uh, ex-presidents and high-level politicians here. And so you have one aspect of the government actually going after these type of people, and then on the other side, you have, uh, you know, people that are trying to normalize this and legalize it and make it something that would be an everyday thing. Then, like I said, you had the article that came out last year, or is it last year or 2017, where they were talking about the fact that there were over 5,000 uh, immigrants that were allowed into this country. The vast majority of them were men who were married to underage children, some as young as 11 and 12 years old. 
and they were their legal spouses, and the United States government gave them asylum in this country, gave them visas, and allowed them to stay. So on one hand, the government is facilitating this type of stuff, and on the other other side, they're trying to, quote-unquote, fight this type of stuff. So okay. you're seeing a, a – go ahead. What are you going to say? Uh, I found some conflicting stories on this. Uh, okay, good. What you found? Now, I found the story, uh, several different sites. Uh, okay. Some that I I normally wouldn't use. Uh, okay. But I also found uh, NBC. NBC put out a, a article saying that 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 the article was being fished around, that it was fake, and this is by Tim Fitzman, and this was on uh, Saturday. Okay. He brought this out and it goes uh, a fake viral, a, a viral fake news story linked to trans health care to thousands of children deaf. And it reads an article published by Catholic Catholic news outlet life's life site news alleged that drugs used to treat gender dysphoria and some transgender children are linked to thousands of deaf. The story went viral on right-wing news websites such as the Christian Post and the Daily Wire, according to CrowdTangle, a social media metric platform. These posts, including shares by Daily Wire founder Ben Shapiro, Shapiro excuse me, and commentator Matt Walsh, are currently some of the top-performing LGBTQ-related content on Facebook and Twitter. The problem is the thousands of people who while taking these drugs are likely the terminally ill cancer patients who receive hormone blockers to fight hormone sensitive cancers like prostate cancer, according to experts. Um, want me to continue reading? What else is there in there? Is there a lot left to it or is it almost, is it almost like you got through most of it? Uh, it's, it's quite a, it's, it's quite a bit. It's quite a bit. Uh, well, let me just go through it because it's not as much as I thought. Uh, okay. Okay. Joshua Shafter, a professor, a professor of medicine, and the executive director of the Mount Sinai Center of, for Transgender Medicine and Surgery, said, "Lupterin or leopardide acetate is used for treating precious puberty." Uh, infertility and certain types of cancer, particularly prostate cancer. Prostate cancer is worsened by the presence of certain hormones. So people fighting these, this disease are sometimes given hormone blockers, puberty blockers to slow the cancer's progression. I think all they did is went into the FDA database and looked at reports. Shafter said, there's no study here. That's the big smorgasbord of reports and so the problem with that is that you don't even know that those deaths are connected to the agents they are reported to be connected to mm, okay. much likely Shafter said is is that the 6,370 deaths over four decades the FDA list as connected to this drug are in terminally ill cancer patients who are prescribed who are prescribed it for treatment 
they wouldn't even be using it if they wasn't at risk for of death, Shafter said of the drug used in prostate cancer patients. The American Cancer Association estimates that there are roughly 30,000 deaths from prostate cancer annually in the United States. The original LifeSite news story, which was modified after initial publication, said that the UK's National Health Service is investigating these drugs. A spokesperson for NHS told NBC News that no special review is being launched into the use of this drug for the treatment of gender dysphoria and noted that all transgender health care services are regularly reviewed. The NSH own guidelines for the treatment of children with gender dysphoria notes that psychological support and puberty suppression have both been shown to be associated with an improved global psychological functioning in youth. Both interventions may be considered effective in the clinical care of psychological functioning difficulties in adolescents with gender dysphoria. Every decision in medicine involves weighing risk and benefits, said Jack Turban, a resident physician in the uh, psychiatry who researches transgender youth at the Massachusetts General Hospital. Turban said that for trans youth, the potential mental health health benefits of puberty suppression far outweigh any potential risk. Allowing puberty to progress is not a neutral decision for many transgender youth, Turban said. Many of these youth see their mental health drastically deteriorate as puberty starts to progress. While, while puberty suppression is reversible, puberty itself is not. Uh, Heron Jean Smith, a senior research analyst at Political Research Associates, tracks anti-transgender rhetoric in the mainstream media and said the article exemplifies LifeSite News membership in the Christian right anti-transgender disinformation ecosystem. Uh, and I'm going to just leave it. Well, it's just a little bit left. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Gillian Bansetter, a spokesman for the National Center for Transgender Equality, said the publication of this article was dangerous. Transgender youth face a public health crisis in this country, and families must already fight through significant barriers to access and adequate health care, uh, Bansetter wrote, much like vaccines. I would encourage news outlets and social media to be extremely sensitive to the risks posed by lies about transition-related health care promoted by bad actors. NBC News has reached out to LifeSite News for comment. No comment as of yet. Okay. I found the article that that I've seen and that um, we had talked about and what they're actually saying in the article is not uh, specific to trans- transgender people. They're saying that 6,300 people died using it, and they a- actually do speak about the fact that it's used specifically for, um, I believe they said, endocrine, endocrine disorders in females and prostate cancer in males. But there was a doctor who started actually, he was an a, a endocrinologist, who exposed the fact, they say it here, this is in the um, Humans Are Free article, 
of the, talking about the same thing, a California-based endocrinologist named Michael Laidlaw has been exposing the controversial tactic of prescribing testosterone to girls as young as eight who suffer from gender dysphoria. And Laidlaw argues gender dysphoria, this is a quote from him, gender dysphoria is not an endocrine condition but a psychological one and should therefore be treated with proper psychological care. However, when puberty, and this is the rest of it, however, when puberty blockers are given to children, an endocrine condition is... Raj, you cut out. Yeah. Okay, well, while we wait for Raj to uh, get back, uh, uh, let me see, because I don't want to read none of these articles. Uh, this has been a, a very serious par- problem and going on in my city and probably yours also with these uh, transgenders taking these uh, medicines and going in there and beating up on our, our daughters and our cousins uh, is is very serious. And a lot of times some of these retaliations are happening and people are thinking that these men that's beating up on these transgender uh, so-called women, a lot of that is uh, retaliation from the brutal, the brutalness that they are putting on their uh, relatives. We also have to think about that as well. Uh, let me while we wait for rise i will continue on with the uh i continue on with the show and we'll come back to that uh soon first thing i want to get into would be the uh dl hughley clip with all of us knowing something going on and having that eerie feeling in our gut but not addressing it because of the economic impact that it will have, whether we're talking about getting fired from our job because some some of these transgender people are our bosses and just don't like the way that we feel, even though we're supposed to care how they feel in that particular situation, but our feelings don't matter. And I know we as Black people uh, are used to this. That does not mean that we should accept it. Uh, we tend to we tend to go off on tangents about things that have nothing to do with anything. Uh, for instance, the little white girl that that was talking about climate change that we played last week, and what I have noticed on social media, a lot of people are discussing that not with the climate change itself, but because she stated that she has lost her childhood. Now I understand. I understand the the emotion that comes with that. How dare she? But I think we have to be smarter than that. Of course, that was a uh, that was something that was used as a. I don't want to say it was a distraction, but it does kind of uh, take away because while she's talking about climate change right now at this particular moment in life, there are black boys and girls that are being sold, murdered for uh, organ harvesting and what have you. But we also have to pay attention that when things are getting some type of uh, attention, news news attention like this little white girl did, we supposed to take the wave of that attention and use it on our behalf. And the same thing with these transgender cases. We have to take all of this 
this foolishness that they're trying to push down our children. We have to take whenever these things come up, we have to use the uh, the momentum that's already built to get the things that we need to get accomplished. Whether whether we using this as an excuse to build uh, schools where we have multiple families doing home uh, homeschooling because of the fear of indoctrinating our children with this homosexual behavior, but instead we want to fight with the people who's passing the message along. The people who, uh, Raj, you back? Yeah, I heard the whole thing. I just got kicked off. Um, You know how the site was acting up. I was doing that again, so it just kicked me off. And once it did, I could hear everything, but y'all couldn't hear me. So until I got back on it, it basically basically had me muted. But I'm back. Go ahead, finish what you were saying. I'm going to file back. uh, Well, let me just finish my thought real quick. Uh, Just... Like I was saying, we we have to take that momentum and use it in our behalf. A couple of years ago, uh, uh well, actually four years ago now, when when uh when Trump stole the presidency, that's how I like to describe it. When he stole the presidency, I told some people on the radio that this would be our time to uh, to come together. And make some things happen because the attention is not on us for the first time in quite some time. And I was right. Uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of suspected racists who did not like Trump. Uh, mostly, I believe, because he was telling too much of their secrets out loud uh, and not thinking about the repercussions. So they had a lot of time that they was dealing with him and they wasn't concerned about us. But we was too busy gloating that we didn't uh we didn't come together and make some things happen on our own behalf and just as sure as i said it uh back in 2016 that when they get done fighting amongst each other they will be back for us well that ended up happening uh with a vengeance uh starting with the uh black identity extremists now we don't hear about that much anymore but it has not gone anywhere. It has not gone anywhere. And we will start to see that show up again, especially around election time. So I have a few more things that I want to get into, especially the, uh, the new news that supposedly a new law has been created to where you could meet force with force dealing with the police but for those of us who uh, pay attention to the laws and the constitution, what have you, that was already a law, but we'll get into that later, but go ahead and finish your thought, Ross. Oh yeah. So I was just saying what the article was talking about was the fact that the parents of these children are not being told the dangers of that drug. So as a result, you have these children being given access to a drug that could potentially kill them. And their parents are just being taught that, hey, this is, um, you know, this is the therapy that they need, you know, suppress their hormones. Now, the thing is that you irreparably damage an organism when you're stopping it from going through its normal stages of puberty. And the crazy part is there was a, 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 a couple of doctors I've seen on some documentaries about this whole transgender thing. And a lot of them were saying that because a child doesn't really know its sexual orientation until it goes through the pu- puberty process, 
that even for they've seen that with even with let's say a young male who is questioning his sexuality um in his early teens or preteens that if they are allowed to just go through the normal you know process of puberty that they normally come to an understanding that falls in line with what they with the equipment they have if it's left to their own and the parent isn't supporting and pushing an agenda in other words, if they're not telling that child it's okay to wear a dress and it's okay to go play with dogs, doesn't mean you abuse them or anything. But the bottom line is you love the person, you don't support the behavior. The child will eventually fall on the right side of things if they're given that time. But you're literally brainwashing children in, at their most impressionable stage, and you're saying that a child that is underage has the 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 the, the mind the, the 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 level of intelligence and maturity to say at eight years old that they're transgender when they haven't even, um, the brain puberty. Developed. Yeah. Their brain, their brain isn't fully developed until you're 25. So you have this child being told that it's okay. And the child doesn't even know who they are yet. And that also ties in with, I remember, remember we just dealt with the, um, the, uh, a guy who uh, actually, I think we played the clip or we might have talked about it off air where there was a guy who was into raping really, really young children. And he was a, a, a outspoken pedophile, a real heavy set white guy. And he said, as long as the child, as long as the child can speak, it can decide whether or not, in other words, he wants to legalize pedophilia and make the age as young as like six years old. And he's like, as long as the child can actually say yes or no, then the child is old enough to make a decision for itself. And then when you see what's going on in this article with them giving these, these um, hormone blockers to children as young as eight years old, and none of their parents, regardless of what age they are, being told about the, the different deaths and different um, uh, the set of damage associated with because they're saying here, the FDA, according to the FDA data, um, the article reads that between uh, 2012 and June 30th of this year, the FDA documented over 40,764 adverse reactions suffered by patients who took Luprolide, acetate, or Lupron, which is the drug they're talking about, which is used as a hormone blocker. More than 25,500 reactions logged from 2014 to 2019 were considered serious, quote-unquote, including 6,370 deaths. So this is the danger of the drug. The parents aren't being told anything about that, but because it's a hormone blocker, they're giving it to these children. All right, can you tell me that name of that, that uh, medicine again? I'd like to look it up. Sure. It's called um, Luprolide, and it's L-E-U-P-R-O-L-I-D-E, acetate, A-C-E-T-A-T-E. And it's, um, it's, it's, I guess, generic name is Lupron, L-U-P-R-O-N. L-U-P-R-O-N? Yes. Oh, Lupron injection. Yeah. So this is what they're, they're, they're doing is that they're giving this injection to children as young as eight, and they're not telling their parents of any of that information I just read about the dangers of that drug at all. So they're not being told that. They're just told this is what your child needs. You know, <laughs> your daughter thinks she's a boy. You want to suppress that expression of her becoming a female. This is what we're going to do. And so, it, it's, 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 again, everything is just tied, tied hand in hand. And like I said, you've got the government doing what seems to be the right thing, and they're making that public. And then on the flip side, you have all these different politicians caught up in, in, in sex trafficking rings. You got um, the senator that just died, and she was literally exposing how so many different um, politicians, senators, and different people were actually involved in child sex rings. Um, it was a oh, they female. killed her. Yeah, they killed they her. Killed her. Um, 
yeah, there's there's a bunch of this stuff coming out where they're showing that the government's behind it. I remember a few politicians came out, including the one they killed. She said uh, the majority of children that they're losing on the border are going into sex trafficking and that a lot of those children are never seen again. So you're, you're separated from your child. They're putting your children in the cage like an animal, and then all of a sudden, magically, Juan, Juan Valdez disappears. And nobody knows what happened to him, ever seen him again, but he's being sex trafficked and potentially even touched by one of them politicians that's involved in the ring. That's that is crazy. That, like, like I said, this is Rome. When, when this type of stuff was happening in Rome, that is when Rome was at its complete end, and it was on the precipice of complete disaster. And after that stage, that was it. Rome was no longer a world power. It just, it was, it, everything about it was absolutely nothing. And that's what's happening with America. The difference is most of America is owned by foreigners. It's mostly owned by the Japanese, by the Chinese, and the Russians have a good portion of it. I believe Rockefeller Center specifically is owned by China. You don't have to go back to Rome, though. This is, this no, you is don't. another version of the Tuskegee experiment. The only difference is mm-hmm. that they're including their own as well. And, exactly. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, okay, what you gonna say? Go ahead, Russ. Oh no, 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 I was just gonna say um that's what I wanted to say on the subject for now, but I just thought it was really important because you know, like we talked last week, you had um you have known pedophile transgender people that are being allowed to do storybook time in local libraries in different parts of the country. So you yeah, have one of those across the street. Really? I got, I got wow. a drag, yeah, I got a drag queen across the street reading those doggone books to these kids. I just can't get down with that, man. I can't get down it's with bad. that. It's real bad. And I think that they're scary. It's almost like how people are scared of clowns. Like, I can't mm-hmm. see how a child could look at a man dressed up as a woman with makeup and stuff and be, um, not be mm-hmm. affronted unless they're being acculturated, whether it's in their house because their mom is friends with somebody like that and they're propagating that to them. Like, I, I could see them being creeped out. I remember the, there was a guy who lived in my father's building that was a, um, a, a, a transgender male. And um, he was from the islands and whatnot. And I remember um, when my dad had told me that he was a she, I mean, she was a he. I was shocked and I was just completely mortified and disgusted. I was like, what in the world? Um, it just really threw me off completely. So I just think um, we just have to be, be quite prepared and, and take preemptive action so that you don't have a situation where, you know, someone that you care about is in that kind of scenario and you have no control over it. Yeah, I, I was looking at, uh, I have another article here, and this uh, comes from a, a site called Health Impact News. Okay. And they're talking about the exact same thing, not with uh, hormone blockers, but just uh, tetanus vaccination shots over in Kenya that are, oh. uh, uh, that are sterilizing the men and the women. So once again, we don't even have to go back to Rome. This has been happening, and and me and you've been reporting on this for almost four years about all and of it's the. Not, and it's not the first time with Kenya. Say again. It's not the first time with Kenya specifically. They've done that in <laughs> Kenya before. They did the same thing with the um with the women the women in Ethiopia where they actually in um Israel the Ethiopian right. women who who migrated. They um over fifty percent of the population was sterilized, and they were also told that if they didn't get the um get themselves sterilized or take the drug, I think it was Depo-Provera, that ended up sterilizing fifty percent of their population. They were told that they would not get any government oh, no. assistance. Hold on, uh, Ross. 
sir. Uh, hey, I'm what's... sorry. I'm Hayes. Hayes. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm Hayes as well. Uh, but uh, when you, you know, feel that coming on, if you don't mind, could you just mute yourself? We leave your mic open just to keep the uh, quality of the show. Thank you. Uh, and another thing for anybody else who have anything that they want to add to the show, uh, any of the uh, any of the uh, clips that we've played or just uh, jump in on the conversation, because I will. By all means, you open up your mic, star star to open up your mic. And I want to I have a question about the uh, transgender. You say to stay across the road. Uh, how many how many people are are allowing their children to be there that's that's uh surprising all in, unto itself that they would allow them too goddamn many too goddamn many uh, let's watch <laughs> it's, oh. i'm sorry i'm sorry too no, many too I, many and they're the- all white they're all white there's no blacks uh getting down like that but yeah there's too many of them you got whites, a majority of them are white. You got a couple hobby dobbies and a few Asians in there during storybook time. And they're eating it up. I don't see nobody afraid of this 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 man dressed up as a woman. Uh, it's sickening. I'm sorry it blew my high. No, I think I think we're the only ones that uh those of us that are straight black men, I think we're the only ones that have and it's not a fear that they would do something to us, but just the fear of what we're discussing now, because they don't expose target the children. They don't, they don't bother with the adults. They, they always target the children. Go ahead. But this guy right here, um, he, he's been on the local news and everything is a story. They call storybook time. And, um, I mean, he's getting a little too much fanfare by our local news that are rah rah and all this. And I'm just totally disgusted. I'm totally disgusted. And then I got, a, I got you know, uh, the pedophile that will be on the sex list for the rest of his life because he was caught red-handed with his privates in his own niece's, five-year-old niece's mouth. Now, those type of people don't need to be on the planet. Definitely not in the same neighborhood as me. But... um between him and this drag queen, um, I, I I don't I don't see a way how to fix this except I'm not even gonna say how I would like to fix it, but um, I'm glad I don't have any children in that age range because I don't I don't think I could handle it with the legal the legal way. Okay, I, I agree. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I, all I, I'm gonna I say agree about it. Heartily with you. I don't I don't I don't think it needs to be handled the legal way, but you know, what we think is uh, beside the point in order for us to uh, continue on doing what we do, we have to watch our children so we don't put ourselves in that position to have to go to prison and then leave our children out. It's it's very, very, it's a, it's a troublesome time because they're doing this to not only children, but then, you know, they're, they're tricking, which I don't know how they're uh, tricking adults, but they're tricking some adults and, and they wind up doing something to them. And all of us get classified as homophobic. It's, it's a weird scenario, but before we, uh, and I see you, uh, we'll come right to you, Nick Carla. 
what my question is is that whenever i i heard you say that you don't have children in that age bracket uh and you you seem you sound like an older gentleman so how do my question is how do you talk to your children when they come to see you because i know uh them being a little younger they might have a harder time controlling their anger when they see things like that how do you address your children and make sure that they don't put themselves in a position to where they could have their freedom taken because of that? Because I know sometimes uh, us younger folks have the, uh, we have the uh, impulses to go over there and say something, which normally creates a volatile uh, environment, which we normally end up on the bad end of. So, or have you even had those conversations with your children? Unfortunately, my child was taken away from me. Um, my my high school sweetheart is now married to um, a white man. So my daughter is 20, but um, we have no contact as of, uh, what, 12 years? It's been 12 years now. I'm pretty much dead to her. She's, she sees her own mother and I are dark. She's dark too. But how her mother, like I was talking to Roz before your your uh, show started, I was reading this book, Hierarchy of Color. I didn't know this is the type of woman that I fell in love with until I met her mother. Now, my mother, her mother met my mother, and my mother is fair-skinned. She thought the son was going to be fair-skinned. I saw a total drastic change in this woman's attitude towards me. Um, Crystal, my mother, my, my, my daughter's mother, does not like her dark hue. She told me that personally. I tried my best to get her to see otherwise, but I see now that she has swirled and has spawned with a, a white man. There's no hope there. So I haven't been able to have that talk. With my daughter, I'm probably never going to have that talk because she calls this white man daddy. And I'm just hoping that I never find out this daddy ever violated one of mine. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. That that might be something we have to come back to. Uh, with that being stated, I'm uh, I'm going to give you a break because I, I understand the uh, what type of mental aggravation that would cause just even thinking about that. So let's move on to the next caller for a brief second. Uh, caller, what's your name? What's your, what's your comment? And where are you calling from? Greetings. Uh, it's cool. Joe. I'm out in NYC. Um, good to hear you. Good to hear you brothers. Um, good conversation. And, um, I think, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things. One thing I, I touch on first is, the whole, what I've noticed, you know, and by the way, um, uh, you know, I understand where you're coming from as far as with your, your child being taken away from you. I've had the same scenario, except I was with a, a, what would be classified a white woman, and I have a so-called interracial child. Now, the situation is like this, which is her friend, which was a rich, wealthy Dutch woman, was a professor at a is a professor at a university, and what she studied was gender, 
And what I found interesting when I came into a house was all these books on transgender, gay, gay, lesbian, all these things. And I'm like, yeah, why is this lady studying this? You feel me? Like, what, what, is, the, what is the purpose in studying this field and, and area, right? Because this is one of the fields that the white males, that the white women do in, in, in universities as well as black studies, right? So the next thing I noticed when I was in, in her household was a picture of her two sons dressed in geishas, um, if I'm saying it correctly. And I was looking like, yo, why would you want your two boys dressed as women? For, for what? And hang the picture up. You know what I'm saying? This, and, and I realized, I said, oh, and when I'm listening to you, to you speak uh, about the whole transgender thing, I realized that this was something pushed also by white women predominantly because they're the main ones that I see it. And then what makes it worse is that most black women co-sign on it because they're confused about the situation as well. They don't have any idea what's going on. So they just sign off on it because it's just regendering, gender liberation. They go under that guise and they get it twisted because they don't understand the dynamics of the war that's being set upon us. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's an ill thing, but I feel like this is direct result of white women trying to quote unquote minimize or emasculate black men. And by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed, but why are we always talking about the men becoming women but very rarely are we having a conversation or even hearing too many comments about the women becoming men. Jackpot. I don't Jack know. Pot. I don't know. That's, I'm just saying that's what I hear all the time. All the time I hear the men become a woman. Let them do what they want to do. And I, I think we have to be honest and say there's something, something else going on there. Even if, you, if you're not a so-called conspiracy theorist like we are, You've got to be able to see that there's something wrong with there's the, the majority of this is being pushed by males trying to become women. You feel me? Now, the well, other thing is, that's one of the top diss off is just the, 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 the phone situation, that, that, that clip that was played, <clears throat> extremely, extremely important. And I, I say that to say that us being data, the data mining that's going on on us right now, we have no idea of how deep this goes, and we have no idea of what essentially they're setting up. Because you can't, for instance, think when you go on Instagram and you like something about, you know, and I do it, and I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep it one. And when I go on Instagram, I see a post in, and I see a cop get beaten up by some random person. I like it. Don't think, mm -hmm. that, don't think for a second that me putting a like on that is me not being categorized and put in a certain group where if something went down tomorrow or in a couple of years or months later on, that I'm not already being on a watch list. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm yeah. sure that there's a, all it takes is a couple of clicks. And they'll go, yo, you need to watch that motherfucker. You need to watch that person right there because they look like they have an attitude. And then they'll monitor everything, including if I get a gun license, including how many guns I may own. They'll do all of that because that's how I'm, – I'm thinking like the enemy. That's all I'm saying, and that's what I would do if I was in their shoes and I want to keep my power. I would monitor every little infringement. Every little thing can turn into a big spark, and they're fully aware of that at this point in junction. And that's where it goes to the D.L. Hughley clip 
where everybody knows something wrong, but nobody knows how to express it or how to address it yet. And that's where we got to figure out. And that's where these conversations are important, man. I, I, I really appreciate listening and hearing most of the, the conversation because I got to tell you, I, I don't want to put my energy where it doesn't belong. It, it, I don't have time for it. You know what I'm saying? Well, let uh, me, that being said, I mute my line. Let me add this on to what you were saying, Kujo. Yeah, I got to speak when you're done, Jenna. Go ahead. So I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be very brief. Uh, now, this uh, comes from the Washington Post. Uh, uh-huh. And this was just brought out not too long ago. It we discussed it uh, when the uh, the black journalist, who is uh, I believe his brother was a a Muslim convert, and he was okay. a journalist in the United States. He believed that the United States was sending drones to kill him. He was put on the kill list. Well, mm-hmm. uh, just recently. Uh, the U.S. invoked state secret privilege to block American journalists' challenge to allege uh, spot-on drone kill list. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Th- these are the uh, type of things that, that we're speaking of as far as the things on Facebook, uh, like you was just mentioning, uh, Cujo, about Snapchat. This data mining is given that, is given all of the information for when we do have that potential uh, shit hit the fan scenario to where, of course, the people who are the most threatening are who we're going to go deal with first. That's who we're going to go visit. But when they go visit you, it does not necessarily mean that you will have some, some officers or some, uh, some agents come to your home. Uh, remember things uh, because with this potential war with China and or Russia, that things are going to be out of hand. And before you can even start to fight back, you have to coalesce around what's going on in your own place, meaning the nation. So in order to keep that civil war from happening, you have to cut the heads off of the most dangerous threats to what they would call, quote unquote, national security. And the, this is what you're talking about. Uh, at least that's what I see when I uh, when I hear what you say, Cujo. Go ahead, uh, Brother Ross. Um, yeah, uh, I was gonna say, it, like like uh, Brother Cujo was saying, it's very telling that the only thing we're hearing about mostly are men who want to transition to women, but we're not hearing about the women who want to transition to men. Now. Um, I think everybody should read a book called The Iceman Inheritance by Michael Bradley. He deals with the origins of racism and sexism and European aggression. And he goes back to um, their their cave days and, and the culture that surrounded living in a cold environment, having to hunt every day because you, they didn't have an agricultural system. It was all about killing animals, getting them for fur, and eating eating their flesh. And um, again, like I said, the 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 origins of that that anti-sexual culture that is innate in them as a group came from living in that cold environment. When they would go out on hunting expeditions, the males would go out for days, sometimes a month or longer, looking for animals to kill that they can bring back home for people to eat. And men were considered more valuable than women because they were physically um, more robust. They were also not able to get pregnant. So that was... And, and sometimes being away on those long stretches, 
was the beginning of where those relationships, those, those anti-sexual relationships were, were forged. And same thing with the women who were left alone to tend to the animals they had in the cave because, remember, white people used to actually sleep with their animals. Like, with the same place the animals slept, they slept. It was only when uh, black people brought the concept of a corral to them where you put an animal secret from the family and you set it up in its own space that you don't really go into unless you're tending to them that they got that idea. So this whole idea of um, the, the focus on men is because of this. Because women were worth less, they would kill every third female child. Sometimes they would cannibalize them, but they just didn't see them as more valuable than the males. So the sexist aspects of why, when you even study their religion, they removed the mother deity out of the equation, all of that started with that experience in the cave and, and the men dominating their women. So when you have a homosexual male, that male is no threat to a female. And because even when you study Greek and Roman culture, um, they only had sex with their females to procreate. They thought the highest of love, agape, they call it, you know, whatever else, was the expression of uh, sexual expression between two males or a male and a young boy. So for any male who's homosexual, those females who were experiencing sexism from the white males would propagate that to them because they, would, they wouldn't have to be in fear of these men. So what you're seeing is almost like a, a psychological uh, way of dealing with the problem of being dominated by a quote-unquote masculine white male by the white female. And when it comes to black children and black females and their close relationship with homosexual males, it's a similar thing. They can be in the presence of a, another black, let's say gay black male, but not have to worry about them you know, coming on to them or wanting anything from them. So as a result, it just makes for an easier experience. And then, of course, it also ties back to slavery and our being, uh, you know, buck broken. So in order to kind of escape the terrorism that comes with being a, a masculine male and a potential threat to white supremacy, the, the male children were always suppressed by the mom and the female children were bolstered by the mom. So in a lot of cases, you'll find that sometimes black women might be even more aggressive than men because that, that dates all the way back to slavery. The girls sometimes were able to get away with more that would, than would ever be tolerated by a male child. So the mother would suppress that masculine expression as much as possible. And for some of those men, the answer became what we know it to be, which is, hey, I'm just going to be homosexual and that's going to make it what it is. But, of course, that doesn't also negate the fact that you know, a lot of these men have been violated in some way themselves because they've been around it so much. We've absorbed it. I would tell everybody, read The Delectable Negro. It'll change your life about understanding the black male experience and the type of uh, real horrific stuff that was done to us specifically, which includes sexual terrorism. So um, that's why I think the, 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 there's a less of a focus on the, the, the lesbian aspect than there is on the homosexual male aspect of this whole uh, gender dysphoria, body dysmorphia thing that has now become a lifestyle that's considered normal. Um, I also wanted to touch on the piece that was done by uh, Dr. Mumi Siraki about Africa not being free. I think that what she said applies on a planetary level. There's, there's no place that black people once rule themselves that is free, America included. Um, we are in a state where it's really like a a controlled chaos experiment. 
there's very little keeping the civility at a level of decency in this country. It's not going to take much to have people out in the street doing things that we might not be, some of us might not be psychologically prepared to see. There's really not much keeping lid on that. And as we get closer to the economic collapse and, you know, whatever other things, this is going to be a horrible hurricane season, so we don't know what's to come when it comes to that. There's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to trigger reactions in society that we might not be prepared for or may, may not have ever borne witness to. And when you look at uh, what what she was talking about, the fact that every colonial power has guns stashed in these countries, they have military bases in every one of these countries. So there's always a threat of, you know, colonization could happen overnight if we will it to. So all of these leaders that you see, they understand that because the, the enemy is literally right in their house with them. They never left. But we talk like we're free and we say these things. That's the Caribbean is included, South America is included, and even blacks in America. We're all in the same game. We're all uh, speaking in a manner that doesn't really belie the reality when you look at all 11 areas of people activity, economics, education, entertainment, health care, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, war, and, um, and technology. We don't control any of those. And we're in the same place and space as the people who colonized us, whether we're here, whether we're in England, whether we're on the African continent, whether we're in the Caribbean islands, we all are in the same situation. And they've given us the impression that we're free on a cosmetic level. But when you get into the nuts and bolts of how things actually work and you pull the cogs apart, you find that there's white supremacy right there, even in countries that are so, so-called run by people who look like them. And we Brother also Ross. blame each other for this type of stuff. Yes. There's, there's yes. one, well, there's one, uh, one uh, colony of people that are living that are free. It's the, the Sinhalese. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's all I wanted to say. Well, you're right. They, they they had the blueprint that we all missed, and that that's the answer for them because they never really got a foothold there. So the answer has remained the same for them, and that's why so far, because they could always do what they want, and when it comes down to it, they could just bomb and get rid of them all and then colonize the island anyway. But the truth yeah. is, because of the way that um the, the world – the, the, the U.N. looks at them and the way that India specifically looks at them, thankfully, they leave them alone. But in today's day and age, you're talking about people who already have the colonizers there who was originally enslaving these people, and now they're just there in the background. So it's a different situation. And the thing about it is they've already proven it. And it's funny, Michael Bradley actually said this on the cows. He said, there's one thing about white people <laughs> that you really don't ever want to forget. If they cannot dominate the world and, and all its resources and the people in it, they are willing to destroy the entire planet, themselves included. Mm. That is the level with which they have so um, been trained themselves psychologically to be indoctrinated as a predatory dominant group of people that if you take that status away from them, it's like taking everything they are away from them, and they're not going to allow that to happen. So you're either going to prepare for either total extinction or mass casualties on the level that's unprecedented. 
And like she said in that video, they got drone sensors in Africa where they could just send thousands of drones to just go shoot people in the head. And the video that he was talking about, the killer robots, they actually show an image of a robot going right up to somebody and shooting them in the forehead. It's a like robot? A, it was like a demo, yeah, it was a demonstration. It was a drone that was flying, and it flew right up to the person's forehead, and at point blank range shot a bullet right into the skull, and you could see how deep it penetrated into the skull of the model. So, I mean, like, these things are things that America will use. I just um, t- put up an article, like, maybe a couple weeks ago that discussed that the United States now came up with this technology to wipe out drone swarms. So if somebody tried to do the same to them, they have a modicum of protection to destroy that swarm. But um, everybody else doesn't have that that option. They don't have it. So, you know, it, 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 the sophistication is there. And the thing is that we're so busy fighting amongst ourselves and, and blaming each other for the conditions that we're in when the situation has never really changed for any of us. It just looks a little bit better, cosmetically speaking. But the, the idea is that when you train an animal as to what its boundaries are, especially if you use the, 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 the mind control of terror and pain and, and psychological domination and domination in all areas of people activity, then you don't have to leave a physical collar on them. They'll know their boundaries automatically, and they know what line not to cross, and they won't cross it without you having to say anything. And that's how successful this system has been. It has us where um, sometimes you've even seen it with dogs. If a dog is tied to a tree and the chain only extends, let's say, 10 feet away from that tree, and if they Mm -hmm. try to break out of that chain, they're beaten and abused and they're forced to go back on that tree, after a while Mm -hmm. you can take that chain off that dog and it will not leave that 10-foot span radius from that tree because it knows if I cross that, I'm going to get some pain that I don't want. It's a form of conditioning. And to me, that's the way that they have the majority of the non-white world. We're conditioned in that way where we understand the hierarchy of the system no matter where you put us. And not just us. you got children who will choose a white dog over a black dog. In any country you you do the dog test, they're going to do the same thing. They learn it from very, very young. And white children learn the opposite, that I'm the dominant one. You know, I've seen it with young white children when they have uh, nannies, whether they're Latino, whether they're from the African continent, the Caribbean, and those white children will talk to the adult who's watching them like they're the adult. And in a lot of cases, those adults will respond to that child as if the child is the parent. So that's how successful we are at being conditioned into thinking we're free because of the things that are propagated to us and social media makes it a whole lot easier, especially when you're addicted to that dopamine rush. It is well, a drug. That's where we come in at. <clears throat> and then mm-hmm. here real quick, because I wanna uh I wanna clear up something. Uh sure, go ahead. I just have to uh I just have to double down on what you said. There is no country, no country at all that is free. Uh the Singalese people, they they are being left alone. But don't for a second believe that they are free. Uh, There are a lot of white people like the one that got killed that want to go there. It's if at any time any of these governments decide that they want to go, that will be it. They are more like they are caged because it's, it's land that's around them that they could go visit. If they was free, they would be fine to just take off and going as they please. That is not the case. They see what's going on and they try to entrap themselves. So we have to pay attention to that. They are aware of the dangers 
And that's why they constantly watch the watch their borders. So let's not get that confused. Uh, another thing is that when we are uh, we are educated or schooled, I should say, just just like you were stating with the dog test and what have you, these are things we have to work out on our own. Uh, children won't feel like that if we constantly uh, bombard them with uh black excellence and what have you the truth of the matter is is that a lot of us don't and then we get upset with the people that we send them to because they don't do it if we don't begin to we like to say we take responsibility but then we don't show the actions of those response excuse me of those responsibilities that we talk about uh me myself constantly being on my children what happens is is that they go out and they share that and i've told this story before the parents of those children come back and wonder where they got that information from and it's all very simple is basically what do you want and a lot of us don't really want to be free we are comfortable uh things are going on that we have uh we have got comfortable with and the things that we have to, the, the BS that we have to put up with, we figure it's just part of our day-to-day living. When we mm-hmm. get to the point to where we decide that that's not part of our day-to-day living, then we'll start seeing changes. But we'll, we will also see that fight coming from these suspected races as well. Are we prepared for that? A lot of us like to say that we are, but as a whole, we are not. Can I can I say something in regards to that? And yes, yes. I, I'm, as soon as I finish my, uh, let me, let me finish my thought real quick. I, I'm gonna get right to you, Cujo. Go ahead, brother. Once we get once we get to that point, it's contagious, and that's why the U.S. government and other governments around the world tend to uh, execute people who think like that because that thought process is very contagious. Uh, Cujo, you was talking about uh, hitting those likes in the data mining. The same thing is going on with these radio shows that we do. They are monitoring everything. It goes back to what I was talking about when I had spoken Trump to uh, hit the presidency and taking that time when we didn't have the eyes on us and making things happen. We didn't do that, and we do that on a on a small basis at home every day we overlook stuff because we figure that we'll have time to get to it later sometimes later doesn't come so when we when we pass in this information along whether it's here on real life the radio show or any other uh or any other media that you consume you have to pass that information along just holding on to it and knowing it it's not enough. Uh, Brother Riles, uh, what was who was the person that said the process doesn't stop until, I mean, excuse me, the process is not complete until you pass the information on. A lot of us go to our graves with this information and we only find out about it if somebody wrote a journal or what have you. I don't know who somebody dropping something in their background. Uh, 
But that's important. That's all I wanted to uh, add to that because until we get to a point to where we have weapons that we could fight back with, then none of us are free. Uh, if I have a whole, if I could have a whole arsenal of weapons in my home, and and that could do a lot of damage. But it, but if I'm the only one that has that, and the government wants to come and take it, I might take a few of them with me. But they're gonna get rid of me for sure. And it's gonna be a lot of black people that'll sit around and watch. They they might they yeah. might talk about me in, in high regard after I'm gone, but ain't nobody coming to help. Now that's mm. just the truth of the matter. And we have that same thing going on right now, whether uh in South Africa, they talking about getting rid of uh getting rid of the colonizers and taking the uh taking the land back. You think that these other uh, European countries are not paying attention to that. <laughs> and once mm-hmm. they do start to act on it, who's going to go help South Africa? Because it, it sounds good to to uh, applaud them on and to share it on Facebook and, and Snapchat and Twitter and all of that. It's, it's great. It's, it's great. It's a, uh, it's a symbolic victory. But when they get to the point of where these guns are going off, and these missiles are being launched. Who gonna go and help them uh, fight for that land? See, we, and who's we, gonna we, replenish them? We tend look to look at Haiti. That I just say, look at Haiti. Look at every other group of black people who have been successful, even slightly, against them. They get ostracized. No black people come to their rescue, and they end up suffering like ad infinitum. So, if that was to take place in South Africa, there'll probably be another Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, and. and it ties into uh, the, the the French. There was an article we had that talked about the fact that the French right. have killed 22 African leaders since like the 60s. Go ahead. What you saying, Dennis? Hey, after you um, get your point, we, uh, we got Cujo and then we got uh, Brother Scotty. I see you. How oh, you yeah. Let's you? do that. Okay. So, Peace, yeah, Brother Scotty. Yeah. Well, it's, it's on Cujo right now. It's on Cujo was uh, next. And yeah, I'm going to come to you right yeah, after Scotty. Now, one of the things I think is a couple of things, I think, and this is where, you know, I have discussions with people a lot in regards to so-called revolutionary acts. But I think it's it's not just us, you know, arming ourselves in a physical sense as far as, you know, being knowing martial arts and, and, and having quote-unquote weapons. I think we have to start detaching ourselves from our master's tools. And I think that's the most, one of the most critical things that we just don't look at. We have to start looking at what is being handed to us because I remember um, Dr. Layla Africa, he mentioned this one time in one of his, um, his um, conferences. He was like, be careful with that white boy. Everything that white boy gives you, you better watch what he gives you because there's always an ebb and a flow to it, a negative, a positive to it. Pay close attention. And that's what I see with, again, with the, the clip that you played earlier with the cell phones. We know that these are tools ultimately, and we have to use them as tools to get what we need to get, go where we need to go, and manifest what we can. The person you are but, trying to reach is not accepting calls at this time. Please try your call hello? again later. La persona con la que intenta comunicarse no acepta llamadas en este momento. Favor de llamar de nuevo más tarde. Message 24. CA01MO. Is everybody still on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a second.
Go ahead, Kujo. Cool, cool. Um, I was just saying it's like basically we, we have to start dealing with those things first before we could even start, like, getting to that stage where we're ready even for a quote-unquote physical confrontation. Because I really think that there'll be less physical confrontation that we actually think about. Like, we're prepared for the worst because we've seen it. But I think as a whole collective, it's, it's very difficult in the scenario where we're at now in this stage for them to actually do the things that they would like to do or would have done in the past. Before you go ahead, Kujo, could you be a little bit more specific? Well, well, what, I'm, what say I'm saying what is they would like to do. Well, what I'm saying is, hey, hey, I'm talking about genocide. You know, as far as like, and when I say genocide, I don't mean that they're gonna wipe out all of us because they like some of us. They want some of us as 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 pets. They want some of us as as sexual objects. They're not gonna wipe out all of us. But mass wiping out us and to an extent where we're no longer, um, quote unquote, like uh, threatening to them is what they would have liked to have done a lot earlier. You know, so now we're at a stage where there's a lot of change going on and a lot of eyes being opened. And I don't even think that they're capable the way that I think they think they are. I'm, I'm actually questioning it. And I could be wrong because I actually don't have too much to stand on that. That I could that I could actually say to you right now, but I feel like they're not as capable as they are, and the reason why is because they're trying so hard to keep us down, and every time they even let it's it's like um, and I don't want to go on too long <laughs> to make a long story longer. If you if you got a foosball and you push it down in water, and the minute you let your finger up and that foosball just pops right back up, that's pretty much how we are. There's no way that they're going to stop putting their thumb down or their foot down on our necks because they understand the second they do, we're going to shoot right back up. And there's not really much stopping us as a collective except for us. Um, but, but I said, like, I go back to say, like, we need to deal with these things. And I mean everything from the food that poisons our minds to the devices that we have. We've got to be careful with everything these white supremacists give to us. It is extremely dangerous, and we have to start understanding that fight first. Because I keep it 100 with you, man. I'm trying to be healthy. But, yeah, every once in a while I see the beer in the in the section of the aisle, and I'm like, damn, I need a beer today. You know what I mean? Like, I keep it 100. I'm, I'm, I'm honest with it. I know my demons and things that I could deal with, that I should deal with and I have to deal with. Man, that, man that, I should have some potato chips. Da, da, da. These are things that are no good for me. And I understand they've been put there to profit and benefit from my death. You understand? And I think the majority of us still still can't get past food. We still can't get past images. You know what I mean? Even pornography and all these other things that we see on a daily basis. We got to start pushing back on the basics before we even start to get to the level of, you know, let's go to the dojo and let's start practicing. You know, like we we got to get mm-hmm. to the basics first, man. That's that's all I'm saying, because I, I I agree with a lot of everything that's said. I just think we got to take our no time a little bit more. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm I'm yes, sir. I have a few uh, thoughts. Uh, not to say that yours was wrong. We'll get into that though, uh, brother. Really, brother Scotty, <laughs> how are you doing this evening? Peace, brother Scotty. One love to you. Hey, peace. I'm peace. I'm, I'm living. I'm alive. 
Let me put it that way. <laughs> I'm still walking on top of it, like my uncle would say, uh, who's no longer Glad walking to hear that. on top. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, you know, there's this young uh, African-American scholar who's been getting some press uh, here recently, and I don't know the exact title of his book, but it's about how to be an anti-racist. And he was talking about, um, in some of the interviews that he gave, he said something that was very interesting to me. Um, it's a thought that I had years ago um, and that I felt over over time, but I really never, you know, put much thought into it or anything like that. It's just, you know, when you just have a random thought or a, mm -hmm. a random concept or whatnot. But he, but he, he made an interesting com comment, and it kind of resonated with me. And he was like, "We overestimate white people, and we underestimate black people." Mm -hmm. And he was saying that that's even a form of racism. You know, because we hear that black people can't be racist. Now, I don't buy you. I, I have, um, he said black people can't be racist. Well, he was talking about the concept that black people can't be racist because they don't have any power to be racist and that racism is based on having power. And that's not the definition of racism. Racism just simply means that I believe I belong to a superior race and everybody else belongs to an inferior race. And, and, and so that's what the dictionary definition of racism is. And so when, when he said that we underestimate ourselves and we overestimate uh, white people, I immediately thought about what Mr. Fuller said. Uh, you know, it, according to Mr. Fuller, he said there's three types of, of people in the universe, whites, non-whites, and white supremacists. Okay, so every white every white person let let's just say which I don't think could ever happen will ever happen. Let's say that there was another civil war and it was divided along uh, racial lines for the most part because you know it's gonna be some black folks fighting on that or want to fight on their side, and then it's gonna be some white folks that want to fight fight on our side. And I think about when Mr. Fuller say. Um, you know, it's it's not about black or white. It's about justice. Anybody can practice justice. And anybody can practice injustice. When we talk about racism, you're talking about injustice based on a person's skin color. You're mistreating that person based on their skin color. That's what racism. That's what racism is. And I tend I agree with him uh, on that, but. When I when I look at the U.S. government as it exists today, there are too many. That, not just the U.S. government, but the county government, the state government, the military, the police. Man, there are more. They are the biggest employers of black people. Even the prison industrial complex. They, every every prison I visited that when my younger brother was in prison. Or I went to see, uh, you know, some, I went with like my girlfriend one time to see her brother who was in prison. Every prison plantation I went to was predominantly staffed by black people, all the guards and, and what have you. So we're we're really overrepresented, you know, in all of government, all the different branches and what have you. 
And so I feel like we can, I don't think it's accurate to say they, when we're talking in here, just here in the United States, I don't think it's accurate to say they doing that to us. Because when I, again, when I, I see a lot of diversity in positions of power, okay, um, I, being in the military, and Jenna, you was in the, in, in the military, um, Malcolm X made me look at my own actions. When I was sitting over there in the Gulf War, about to uh, helping helping the United States government uh, kick Saddam out of uh, Kuwait, which he had a legitimate beef with them. They were stealing oil from that. That's just the truth of the matter. He had a legitimate beef with them. And Kuwait used to be a part of Iraq prior to, uh, was Iraq prior to uh, World War II when the world powers uh, got together and, and drew new borders and what have you. They just made up countries and installed people. And so looking at myself sitting over there, I'm like, how is this benefiting me? And I wasn't looking at it at, at, at it. I wasn't using this language back then. But when I look at it today, how was what I was doing serving in the United States military producing justice? Was my actions producing justice or was I just furthering uh, American empire? You know, what was I just being the willing tool of, of, of the system of injustice? And I have to say I was. And so, you know, when my when my tour of duty was up, I had like four months left and I got out. I got out because Malcolm X opened up my mind. He opened up my eyes to see that, you know, we enable our own oppression. And and again, when we talk, when I talk about we overestimate them and we underestimate ourselves, um, I study history, especially military history, when it comes to the American Revolution, the Civil War, uh, when it comes to the colonization of these other lands and what have you. When you look at like the assassination of African independence, you know, uh, leaders, revolutionaries and what have you, even when you look at the destruction of the Black Panther Party, they couldn't do this stuff without help from the people that look like the ones they targeting. You know, they, I have to say, man, the government has been very good at dividing people up and, and then conquering all of them. Like, for example, how, how, how did they expand this country westward? You know, well, they, they exploited already existing divisions between Native American tribes and then friend, befriended, pick the tribe, befriended them, and hey, we'll help you. We'll help you with your with your enemies and what have you. We'll give you weapons or what have you. Or you can just you know give us some scouts and help us go scout them out and attack them. So that's how they expanded west. They they just did. They ain't that big and bad that they could just run out there and just take and, and take over. You know they have to have help to do that. Uh, when we look at when we look at Africa, man, only they only in Africa because the African let them in. Right, and that's, that's exactly. the truth of the matter. That's just the truth of the matter. Now, and anybody that's uh, read that book, um, the Confessions of an Economic Hitman, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't talking about assassination. He was talking about bribing people with money. Yep. 
to do what they want to do. And that brings me back to that young man who said, we all have the power to resist racism. We, you know, and I stand that further. We all have the power to resist injustice. But if we think that it's something in it for us, and I'm just speaking in general, I'm not talking about us as individuals, but in general, most people, if they think it's something in it for them, then all morality go out the window. Doing the right thing don't matter no more because I'm trying to get paid. You know what I'm saying? So I I just wanted to add that to the conversation that, that, you know, my mother refuses to use the term white supremacy. Because she said ain't nothing supreme about them. Now, I know that's not what Mr. Fuller means. And he's talking about a system where, for the most part, white people have dominated. But then on a spiritual sense, though, you know, you speak your world into existence. If you if, if you believe in your mind that these people are supreme or they have all the power and there's nothing that we can do to produce justice uh, despite them, then we're going to have what we believe and then we'll often manifest that, you know, with our mouths. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you know, once you speak something, it, you're giving birth to it. So right. that, that's what I want, want. I'm not on here. I'm not trying to dispute anybody's point of view. I'm just trying to add a, a different point of view to the conversation. Thank you. Right. And I, I, I agree. We appreciate that. I just have yeah. one put. I have one pushback and that's on the definition of racism. Uh, that first, that, that one that you gave is one of three when dealing with this particular word, you cannot leave the other ones out <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to go back over them. And this comes from, can you, the, uh, can, Mar- you share, can you share those with me? Yes, sir. I'm fin to right now. Uh, Marion okay. Webb's, uh, and you can just go check this out. Uh, cause I know a lot of different dictionaries have different ones. I always like to use this one because it 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 includes them all. And uh, number one, what they have is a belief that race is the primary deterrent of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. <clears throat> That's number one. Now, 2A is a doctrine or political program based on the assumption of racism and designed to execute its principles. To be is a political or social system founded. Now, we have to always add those because anywhere that we see racism being practiced, there's always a system attached to it. And that cannot be left out when we are describing the definition of that word, because then we we get lost with uh, with the synonyms of prejudice and bias because that's what it is when you don't like somebody if you don't like somebody that's a bias or a prejudice on your part right but in order, but in order to practice racism there has to be a system behind you to make that go in motion you could walk past white people all day that don't like you they won't put their hands on you and they know they won't unless they have a slave catcher somewhere in the vicinity that they believe is going to take their side. So I, when everything else, I'm right along with you. So, so let me, let me add this caveat. So that's why we hear white people. When we use that definition, now that apartheid is over in South care of South Africa, 
That's why white people in the United States, I guess, using that definition to paint the South, the black South Africans as racist. Right. Or or when Robert Mugabe was in power in Zimbabwe when he started reclaiming the land or what have you. Now you got the power. But I would but I don't agree with them that they're not practicing racism. They ain't targeting those people because they're white. They're targeting those people because of what they did. Right. That's they stole because they stole the land. That's why they target. Right. right. They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to produce justice. They're trying to right exactly. a injustice. Now, on an individual basis, I absolutely had the power to mistreat a white, pe- white people. And I used to mistreat them in school all the time and dare them to do something because I was wanting them to jump, you know, so I could knock them down. Man, I used to terrorize this white boy whose father used to be the Grand Dragon of the Klan back in the 50s and 60s. His name was Virgil Griffin. You can even find him in, on Wikipedia because when the uh, uh, Klan um, shot them people up there in Greensboro, uh, uh, North Carolina, to bust up a, what they call a socialist uh, um, march or something, some kind of protest. It was really about unionizing, and they shot them. Man, when I found out who that boy was, he used to sit right in front of me in automotive class. I used to terrorize that white boy. I used to look at him. I used to see the holes in his shoes, how bummy and trashy he looked, you know, because his father was poor. They were poor. He, You know, we used to just go to the gas station where he worked just to make them pump our gas. You know what I'm saying? We, <laughs> you know, as kids, we was getting a kick out of that. Oh, you was a big bad clan member. Pump my gas, you know what I'm saying? That's bullying. That's well, that's not racism. No, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying I was mistreating them because they was white. Oh, and yeah. I had the power to mistreat them. Okay, that white boy hadn't done nothing to me. He wouldn't even talk to nobody. He ain't had no friends or nothing. Then one day he has turned around and told me and said, I don't believe the things that my father believed. I'm not a racist. And I just want to let you know that. And I left him alone after he after he told me that. But I it was a highlight of my day to go to, uh, to automotive <laughs> class just so I could terrorize this white boy. Now, yeah. I could become a cop. I could become a prison guard. And I could just target and mistreat white people the way they mistreat us or white supremacists mistreat us. So, so again, that's why I'm saying we shouldn't underestimate ourselves and say we don't have no power and say they got all the power. We have, we, we have personal power to, to practice whatever we want to practice. You don't see no white people on Black Talk Radio Network, do you? <laughs> Not at all. You know, the, thing is, the thing is we exercise our power against each other. I um, sent to Jenna um, a message that I posted on um, on Black Junction, and it was about the process of boycotting. And I said the only people, I said, you know, Martin Luther King developed the whole concept of boycotting in order mm-hmm. to seek justice, and he was completely successful as far as not supporting the the Alabama buses until he crippled crippled them financially and they said okay y'all can ride any part of the bus you want we just want y'all riding the bus again I said the only people that black people are successful successful at boycotting is black businesses mm-hmm. yeah. so we focus society, yeah I would agree it, with that. yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, like, the only people we don't support are our own, and we are the answer to a lot of our own problems. It's just that we've been conditioned to see each other as the problem. And we're constantly having these internal battles with each other about some things that sometimes make no sense. Some things are legitimate, you know, gripes we have with one another, but we take things too far. And that's because we're all psychologically aware of our place in the system. So it's easier for you to attack, assault, or even in some cases kill someone who looks like you because you know that both of your lives are worth less in the society. Right. So it, 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 it's deep, like the, the, the way that we've been just acculturated psychologically and, and psychosocially conditioned towards looking in the mirror and hating what we see. And then what you hear is that you go on social media, you go on YouTube and stuff, and then you see the stuff play out in the things that people actually say right, right. and now, the way I, that people, agree. you know, so that, that's, that's the, the know, biggest Rob, hurdle is ourselves. Go ahead. What's up? Media, media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It can control the minds mm-hmm. of the masses. It can make the innocent look guilty and the guilty look innocent. Look innocent. And that's how they get us, man. That's how they yeah. get us to mistreat each other. It's through media yeah. to the point to where we will start our own companies and perpetrate those same that same anti-blackness, that same negative stereotype, because we 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 gonna get some money from it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I agree though with what was said earlier though. You know how you stop that? It starts in the home. It starts no in the home with you yep. doing what you're supposed to do as a black parent of a black child. Because I tell you, Absolutely. man, my mom, mom, I ain't never felt inferior to anyone. I thought I was always as smart as anyone and could do whatever, you know, as much as anyone else could. But that's because that was instilled into me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't exactly. think enough of us do that. I agree completely. It's just like, um, you know, I always say, like, when I hear people from the islands or from the continent say negative things about black Americans, I remind them it's a minority of people you're talking about. It's a small group of people, and you're looking at everybody who's black and American and painting them with the same, you know, negative thoughts and ideas that these few people that may have said or did something that hurts you did. And I said it's the same thing in reverse when you hear, you know, American Africans and they badmouth from these immigrants, it's a very small group of those people that actually think and function in that way. You know, like I've always said, you know, my parents have always um, raised me to understand that you must respect the house of the people you're walking into. And we were taught very early, you know, five, six years old, about the struggle of black people in America. And we, we honored that in my family. That was something that was just taught. And the idea is that not everybody who comes here gets that understanding in the home. They get the the same misinformation, you know, in other parts of the world that black Americans get here about other parts of the world. So you come in with the preconceived notion and then God forbid you come in contact with a black American who's nasty or rude to you. Then you start thinking that what you see on, on TV or what that government agent might've mentioned to you in the airport is true. Hey, real quick. Go ahead. Very, very important. You don't see white hosts on Black Talk Radio not because I'm mistreating them or anything like that. It is because most of none of them actually want to do a show on Black Talk Radio Network. And then I have to gauge the content 
on if I think it is constructive for our network. And I've ne- again, you know, no white people have even approached me to be on Black Talk Radio Network, and I cross that right. bridge when, when I cross it. So I don't want anybody to think that the Black Talk Media Project is is uh, violating the Civil Rights Act of 1964. <laughs> right. It's and true. It's that, true. That being said, I apologize, but we have to get out of here. Um, yeah. Um, matter of fact, before we go, because I know uh, Mr. Hayes hadn't uh, come back, you have two numbers here, sir. I'm not really sure. And I, I believe that's where the, the feedback was coming from, and that's why I muted you. So there you go. I'm here. Uh, I'm gonna let you uh I'm gonna let you begin with our final comments. Uh what you have for us tonight, and then we will hold on before you start. We're gonna go you. I'm gonna give you about give me about three minutes because we already done went over time. Three minutes for uh, each of our uh listeners. So we're gonna go uh we're gonna go Mr. Hayes, we're gonna go brother scotty then we're gonna cujo my man of course go uh last and then brother ross you know what to do okay. go ahead mr yes, Hayes. well people i don't mind having the homophobe label you can call me bad i don't care all right now I, I come from a family highly educated but it seems like because i'm the dark one and that hierarchy of color is real within our community is not a pretty thing. And my grandfather did not perpetuate that, that, that madness. It was my uncle. All right. So this gay thing, this, this drag queen thing that's taken over Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti where I reside at, I'm not co-signing it. And there's a brother out here that says every time he sees a cop die, uh, he laughs and likes the thing. Uh, yeah, every time I see a cop die or something, I look at the sun and the moon and I smile because I was sent to prison on a on a lie, a manufactured lie. Roz, I will send you a link to my, my page on my Twitter. I'm going to show you what torture is, what they did to me when they lock you into a room and they don't tell you, they tell you you're not going to see your family. And then they let the bed bugs and the fleas eat you alive while they tie you down on a bed. So there wasn't no raping or nothing. It was just physical torture. I would never send one of my own people to prison like my uncle did because I will never be the same. And, yes, I do have a lot of anger. And I was married to a cave, a cave woman. I woke up. And uh, I think I'm better for it. But watch your kids, because I lost mine, y'all, and that's all I want to say. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to hear that, too. Hopefully, because uh, I find that this show, and that it may not be for nobody else, but I find it therapeutic to be able to get these conversations out. And I hope you do as well. Uh, we'll be here next week, and I hope you join us, sir. Uh, brother, I love Scott. this show. I'll be here. All right, thank you, sir. Brother thank Scott, you. you. All right. Well, um, like I'll say, Malcolm X quote again: "Media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. It can make the innocent look guilty and the guilty look innocent, and that's power. 
the whole purpose of me creating the nonprofit media organization, Black Talk Media Project, was to exercise that power. We have been we have been online uh, for ten years. It'll be eleven years in November, and I'm worried about if we're going to make it through. Um, you know, to the eleventh through the eleventh year. Um, you know, I. Um, I just, I, I, you know, I just don't understand it. It's like what Ross was saying, man, that the only people we successful at boycotting is black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't understand yeah, why. I don't understand, even though donations to the Black Talk Media Project is tax deductible. Let me say that again. Tax deductible, okay? And you can recoup that from the federal government. Um, I just don't understand with the level, the number of people that we reach as a collective through this platform. I just don't understand why I have to, why we had to struggle as an organization. I like I said today, man, there are so many projects, media projects that I would like to do, but I just don't have the funding to do it because I won't go to the Ford Foundation. I won't go to these people who have profited off of slavery and oppression all over the world and then ask them to give me some money. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I've never done it. I've survived without doing it. And, you know, if we are to survive, it's only going to be because of um, the people who actually, uh, uh, you know, download and consume the media from the platform, support the nonprofit. So I'll leave it with that. Thanks. Thank you, brother Scott. Uh, and man, I'm gonna call you tomorrow morning, man. I I got some questions. Uh, so uh, if you're not busy, be looking for that, uh, brother Cujo. It's on you. Yeah, um, it's it's been a good night, interesting night, a lot of good topics, and a lot of things hit. But um, I think again, um, this, the statement just reiterated, and I think it just boils down to us ourselves. Like we really have to take onus on what's going on. And um, I'm glad Brother Scotty mentioned what I was kind of hinted, basically led to what I was speaking about, which is like, I don't think that the powers that be really feel as powerful as we think they do. You know, I think we have to really start taking that into account because with so many outlets of information and at the same time, you have a lot of brothers, a lot of sisters waking up, seeing different things that are going on around them. For us now, the war is more personal and it's more at home. It means minimizing the time on the phone. That's negative. It means trying to eat properly. It means praying to some deity that's constructive. I'm not knocking anybody's religion, but some deity that's constructive, not not sending six days a week and then going to to whatever temple or church you may have to go to on the the 7th. It, It means actually doing things positively and looking at 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 your time, because I, I, I keep it real with y'all, we really don't have that much time. Each and every one of us, we have to really be scarce with our time. And I'm I'm one for this, and I think that we all should do this. Save your breath, save your time and your energy for those that can give it back to you. Everybody else, well, hey, we just don't have that to give. If it ain't if it ain't for family, then hey, I I can't do it. You feel me? So that being said, I close on that, man. Peace. All right. Thank Peace. you. Thank you. Uh, I guess I uh, 
that we still have a few callers on the line uh, that haven't spoke. If you have something that you want to add before we get out of here, uh, go on and open your mic. If not, thank you for joining us. Um, what I would say is that a lot of you have uh, <clears throat> a lot of you have made mention of things that I've said uh, on several occasions uh, years ago and continue to say all the way up to today. Whether we're talking about it starts at home, uh, different things that we need to do. I, for one, like to say that we don't have a culture as a people. A lot of people have pushed back on that, but they can't never show me one. Uh, Hip hop is not our culture. so uh, let's eliminate that answer. But it all starts at home. Once again, teaching your children uh, how they supposed to act and respond to people, black and white, Asian and whatever else they may come in contact with. Uh, just a nice dose of common sense would be great. Uh, I've said on a number of occasions, asking Roz, is it possible for us to be racist? Uh, that conversation came up tonight. It's, it's wonderful for somebody else to say it because sometimes I believe when I make these statements, they kind of get brushed over. Uh, but it, they are seeming to jump into people's subconscious because I'm starting to hear them repeated back to me. So that's, that's great. But the last thing I will say is... Uh, we do need some help uh us here at real life the radio show and especially our parent company black talk radio network because for those of you who check these shows out not just this one we put a lot of time and effort and thought into this um not only do we have our own thoughts but we also put a lot of time into thinking what the other side of that conversation would be and we try to bring that to you as as positive as possible. Uh, some people appreciate it. Some people don't care. But a lot of people listen, though. So if things don't change, like Brother Scott said, there won't be one. And if it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you a lot more than what you would probably donate at the first place. So don't be mad at us for trying to make sure that we could continue to do this when things start to change because people don't care that is here at the moment. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to pass this on to Brother Rice and you give us your thoughts, Brother Rice, and uh, hit us with the prayer. No problem. Um, first, I would just say if 2,000 people who listen to this platform or and, and any of the shows on this platform just gave $10, we would hit the $20,000 mark that Scotty's looking for at a minimum to be able to run this network and hopefully even begin to start to branch out in different directions. So, I mean, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be a ton of people. It can be 2000 people just giving $10 a piece. If you can muster that up. I mean, like, I just don't understand you. You put your time, your attention and your money towards what is important. And why is it that every other group of people can have platforms to say whatever they want on any subject? Foolishness. And we are the only ones that can't because we can't even come together at a basic level to support each other. And I mean, like, how can anyone get up with a straight face and talk about us fighting any war against the system that, you know, has us all enslaved to it 
you know, fight against any colonizers or any other group of people that are oppressing or suppressing us that maybe look like us or don't look like us. And we can't even come together to support a network that's providing actual news that you can use that you look forward to, you know, having contact with on a regular basis. Like that's just basic common sense. Do you want to continue to listen to white people telling you whatever they want to tell you and making up narratives as they go along and you have to go and, and hunt down real information and, and chase foreign entities on news news outlets in order to find out something when you got black people who are taking the time and energy and the effort to try and do that for you that you actually know, you know they exist, you you partake of the content and you you know it's not that important to you. It does to me it's just sad and it, it really shows just how much, you know, the state of mind of our people collectively is definitely we have a a boycott system, but we boycott each other. Mm. We boycott each other. We do it better than the enemy ever could. And like I said, it don't have to be, uh, you know, a million of the people of the few million that actually partake of the content. It could just be 2,000 people, $10 a piece. And that will facilitate, you know, helping in, in ways that are unimaginable. The other thing is, um, you know, there's an African proverb I love to say, and I stopped saying it, but I'm going to start saying it again. You know, if there are no enemies within, enemies without can do very little harm. And just keep that in mind. If there's no no people who look like you working against our collective best interests, then there's no outside enemy that can really do us any harm. It's always with the cooperation of people in the group that's under attack that outside groups get a foothold and eventually accomplish their goals of doing whatever they choose to do. So just always keep that in mind. And then uh, there's one last thing I wanted to actually say, and this was something that I said I would actually read because I think it's so important. If European culture is insanity, then at the fundamental level that humans define and perceive reality, we as Africans and people of color have a very serious problem. If a cultural minority becomes the power majority and is my is through the force of majority, excuse me, is the and is Lua. If a cultural minority becomes the power majority and this minority through military media and religious might force the majority cultures to adopt their culture as their own, then insanity becomes the norm and is redefined as sanity. Accepting another's reality as your reality makes their reality yours. If the global majority is right and Europeans are wrong, how, how dare they stand in judgment? Unfortunately, as is the case with European cultural imperialism, if, in, if the insane can convince the sane that insanity is sanity, then the same majority become insane and insanity becomes universal and comes to be seen as sanity. Those individuals or groups who dare to hold on to their original sanity become universally depicted as truly insane or backward, and those who are the carriers of the original insanity become universally depicted as truly sane or modern. Keep that in mind. That is the state that we're in constantly. And until we start to come out of that insanity that's been imposed on us specifically in North America for 500 years, but has been the, the, the thing that's been happening for at least 2,000 years, we have a lot of work to do just in changing our minds. And if we can change our minds first, everything else will follow behind changing of the mind. And the main thing the mind was changed for is, is justice. Justice and also seeing 
the divinity in another person who looks like you. And understanding that if someone who looks like you, who is not necessarily of the same culture or from the same place as you, um, mistreats you, that you don't blanketly look at everybody from that group and say they're all like that one person. Because basically you're practicing the same sort of prejudice that became the foundation of racism, white supremacy, as we know it in 1681, when white people were actually created and legally created. And when you hear certain groups say that black Americans act white, it's that mindset of self-hatred, hatred of other people who look like you that they're referring to, because it's the same mindset that the white people who originally put that on you had towards you and your people in the first place. So we become what we had to endure. And we all have to seek to exorcise that from our existence to the best of our ability. And it starts with getting proper information and applying it to our existence. So that's what I'll say. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to chime in with before we say the prayer and close out? Nah, you go ahead, man. It's it's that time. We've been on for quite some time tonight. No problem. Thanks to everybody for joining us this Tuesday evening. Thank you to Scotty. Thank you. Um, to Brother Hay- from Haze of Our Lives, and thank you to Brother Cujo for your input. Thanks to all the other listeners who may not have called in but are listening online. Thank you to all of those who will listen to the podcast at a later date. When you have time, we greatly appreciate each and every one of you. And um, look forward to seeing us next week, Tuesday, um, same place, same time. Um, Creator willing, we'll be able to do that. So we're going to say the prayer, prayer now and then close out. Creator, we ask that you help us to remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy, we ask that you help us to remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time that we are in contact with another black person. It has been time let's replace white supremacy with justice, with justice immediately. Let's also end the prison industrial complex and human trafficking as well. I am in the love of the all, and all love is in me. I am a part of the all, and the all is a part of me. I am one with the all, and the all is one with me. I can succeed as a part of the all and fail as an individual. I can be all that I wish in the all, as long as my wish is to stay in the all. I am never alone. The all is. I am. The all can. I can. The all does. I do. Thanks to each and every one of you for spending your Tuesday evening with us, and any time you spend with us is greatly appreciated. Stay safe and out of the hands of slave catchers. Do everything that you can to minimize contact and to minimize conflict with other black people at all times and all places. Peace and one love, Ubuntu and Uhuru to all of you. Peace. Black, black, black. My hair is kinky. My nose is white. My skin is technicolor. Don't apologize, you beat my aura, you love the glow, before you touch my shine, just know, it ain't my style, it ain't my shade, ain't what I do, ain't what I say, I'm just hella black. Black or the licorice.
Harder, other, another brother with pim and chip. Smooth as butter, my lady, love it, it's cinnamon. From the gutter, my baby mother, my venison. What that mean? My dear, like your dinner, singing man beat. Can we get a bit of color on the man we? Hell as the greatest mother ever tread the land or sea. Because it don't make our vision a little more brandy. Also, don't know why cocoa skin folk drip. Don't get promo in places with more bucks than added to combo. But if you don't know. It ain't my style. It ain't my shame. Ain't what I do. Ain't what I say. I'll just say 